This is the MLW Radio Network. All right, guys, it is Tuesday night. I do appreciate you joining us here on Purple Material. It does look different yet again, and uh, Mikey and Jerry are still on vacation, but it's it's kind of like the Mike and Mike thing. In for the guys are going to be me, your curtain jerker, Mike Freeland, and I am joined by podcast extraordinaire, uh, the man who is on more airwaves than anyone else I know, Miss <laughs> Chad. And uh, Chad, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Just uh, happy to tag in and uh, help out while the guys are uh, doing their thing. And, uh, you know, I don't have as many title belts as they do. I don't have <laughs> as many uh, accolades across the uh, the wrestling world, but I'll try to fill their space tonight. And I'm sure you will do a very, very wonderful job at that. Um, for, the, for the few people who may not be familiar, tell them a little bit about yourself and where they might have heard you, and if they would like to, where can they tune in to hear your shows? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, the TMPT Empire, uh, the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas, Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme, Francine. Been doing this thing for a quite <laughs> quite a number of years. Uh, always been in broadcasting, but the uh, podcasting world definitely uh, has embraced me very well. And uh, I've done a lot in six years. And, uh, you know, if you haven't heard us or, or listened to the TMPT Empire, you've definitely seen something on a, on a dirt sheet or someplace, one of our interviews getting covered. And, uh, you know, uh, podcast domination at its finest is the way I like to uh, describe it. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy because we all have different stories about how we got involved in doing podcasting. And I think yours is really, really interesting. So what was it? that kind of originally pulled you in. Um, obviously, people who are familiar probably know you from the power trip. So, but how did all that get started? Uh, basically, you know, I was pretty much uh, a broadcasting rat. I've been in broadcasting for almost 20 years. Um, what I do is behind the scenes and not in front of the mic, but I did train to be in front of a mic. I always wanted to technically be on the radio, but I always fell into positions that were behind the scenes uh, on the television side. Uh, and podcasting around 2014, 2015, you know, was still obviously a thing. There were still a lot of shows, but the wrestling genre was quite different. And uh, I just knew that I, 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 you know, had the desire to kind of throw myself into this new realm of what it was. And John Paz, JP, uh, from my uh, TMPT uh, brethren, he and I, we've been friends for 20 years. We went to broadcasting schools together. So, you know, it was just a natural friendship that we brought to the airwaves. And just parlayed it into, you know, probably one of the finest spots for the wrestling interview that you could possibly have across podcasting. Now, is it the biggest? No. But is it probably the most refined? Yes. And John is continuing that legacy and doing our interview format still and just doing a kick-ass job. And, you know, these six years have flown. But just my natural, you know, uh, kind of flocking to broadcasting is what got me into podcasting. And I... uh I can't say I regret one minute of it. It's it's interesting, you know, when you're a wrestling fan for years and then you finally end up getting a chance to be a part of something and then not only be a part of something, but to be a part of something with people that you watched and that you were fans of. And now you get to actually work with them. 
it's got to be one of those really cool moments when you're, when you're talking to Franny, when you're talking to Shane. Um, what is that like? It is almost still kind of surreal at some moments that you're, you're working with these people that you watched for, for so many years. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would know very well. Um, it, it's a very, it, it's a very interesting situation to be in. Uh, for me, I, I've worked in the autograph and memorabilia industry for a very long time as well, probably a few years longer than I have in broadcasting, but you know, I, I kind of naturally gravitate to certain people and with specifically with Shane and Francine, you know, take away all their amazing wrestling accomplishments. They are just two of the nicest people that you could possibly meet and just connecting with them on a personal level kind of leads to the chemistry we've always had on air on, on triple threat with John, myself and Shane, and then on eyes up here with Francine. But yeah, I can also translate it to the, you know, the chemistry I've always had with John too. It's just when you naturally can vibe to somebody, you almost take away the fact that I watched them on TV and I was, you know, an ECW fan, but I love the franchise. I, 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 this is a guy that I could legit, you know, quote stuff he said. I can remember matches that he had that he probably forgot. And, you know, to have Francine and the, the stuff I do with her as well. I mean, it's, it's a very surreal thing, but don't think for one second I take it for granted at all. No, I, and I completely understand what you, where you're coming from. I mean, with, with having a relationship with, with Dave Penzer and working with him, which was great, and then working with uh, Jerry and Mikey and obviously the, the several, you know, uh, people that I've gotten to come in contact with in the podcast world and the superstars themselves, it's one of those things where you begin to start to see them as people. And, yeah, you kind of fanboy out in the beginning because you're like, wow, this is really cool. But the more you peel back the layers and you realize that they are just normal people, but you may actually have something in common with them outside of wrestling, I think that's the thing that really starts to build the relationship. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, w w without a doubt. And, you know, and I did, I also worked for WWE very briefly in 2006. So a lot of the guys from that era I had become very friendly with because I kind of know where they came from. I kind of know the, you know, the model of, of what the WWE was like. So guys in that era that came through, you know, the developmental system and were just getting on the TV, you know, I kind of learned the television business the same way they did. And I connected with a lot of them and I've still, you know, I've got some pretty good friendships of guys that are in the business and you just, you know, after a while, they tell you stories and you laugh and you, you, there's stuff you might pick their brain about, but yeah, when it gets past that and into like, you know, the things we have in common territory, you, man, you can forget sometimes, you know, I'm on a group text with John and Shane uh, every day. And, and to tell you if wrestling comes up, you know, maybe once out of the seven days in a week, uh, that would be a lot because it's just about everything. And it's, uh, it's just an amazing thing. But again, you know, that with, like you said, with Penzer and obviously with Mikey and Jerry, it's, it's everybody. It's natural, and these podcast airways are very, very, very cool for that. You know, thing that they can do in bringing guys together. I remember the last time we chatted, we were we were talking about how at that time we thought the podcast world was changing, and how it was kind of getting away from just being real niche, meaning just something real specific. And it was that shows were wanting to talk about more than just that. It was that shows wanted to know a little bit more about the personality of the everyday life of the personality. Would you still agree that that model is working today and that's getting over with listeners even more? Uh, I think since the last time we talked, I wish we had the date, but I think the, I think the genre has gotten even worse, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. And I, I think a lot of what was maybe happening then, I, I think there's a lot of cluttering of the podcast genre uh, shows. And, and this is not to discredit anybody. This is not to call anybody out specifically, 
but shows where guys just don't really have business doing shows are kind of cluttering it for everybody else. And it takes away guests from other shows. It kind of maybe if one guy has a bad experience and he's not going to want to do another one. And I feel like the the wrestling genre is like, uh, you know, when like in Mario, you know, when Mario would hit the, you know, the thing and the, you know, the coin would pop out or the mushroom would come out. I feel like every time you click the coin, it's like, well, there's another wrestling podcast. Every time you click the, uh, you know, you hit the the mushroom, there's one that, you know, had a good guest. And it's like each level you go on, does it get better? Or do they get worse or does your, your is a game over? You know, and I feel like it's getting so cluttered. It's not really a good thing. And I'm, and that's not discrediting anybody. Everybody has the right to do any show they want. But I just feel like the, the genre of wrestling podcasting is just getting real tight these days. Yeah, no, I mean, I really can't disagree with you. I've seen so many people pop up and say, now I've got a show. Now I've got a show. Yeah. And it you're right. It, it's become a situation where it used to be something where you could book a guest and now it's coming to where I've had conversations with people one-on-one either text message or whatever. And they're like, Hey, uh, you know, a lot of people want me now. So for 45 minutes, it's going to be 250 bucks. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, I get it in a way because you're trying to make money. You're still trying to make a living. Um, but still those, those numbers start jumping when the demand starts going up. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate. And again, it's a business. And not to say in 2015 there were guys that were still asking for you know a couple of bucks because it's a, it's it's work. It's a job. Yes. It's they have to perform. Um, you know, and you can't discredit anybody for that. But it's just a lot different in terms of you know Joe Blow uh, and his friend now want to start a wrestling podcast. And oh, guess what they want to do? They want to interview you know the top stars of the day and blah 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 blah. If I've ever had to give advice to people who say, hey, how do I have a, you know, a wrestling podcast? You know, what should I do to stand out? I usually tell them to steer away from the interview. And that's not because that's where, you know, my bread and butter was. And that's obviously still with the TNPT Empire where, you know, we do the, the big time wrestling interviews. It just it clouds the, you know, the genre. And, and I would tell people, say, hey, listen, pick a territory. You live in Portland why don't you do a Portland wrestling podcast? Because I think that would be something that might be different. You know, why don't you look at something, uh, wrestling video games? Why don't you do something about, you know, theme music, just do something that's not being done instead of just rinse, repeat another podcast. Oh, Hey, we have so-and-so indie worker from blah, blah, blah. Well then have indie workers on every week. Don't go from, I want the million dollar man one week to, I want, you know, uh, you know, Johnny Rex out in you know the uh, the Rhode Island indie scene, you know what I mean? It's just no, nope. yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's hard to to kind of make it, but you know, I saw somebody today. I had to mute their their Twitter because you know they're sitting there bragging about um, you know somebody was discrediting of their podcast when they were a few episodes in, and now they have relationships with uh, you know a couple of the companies. It's like, well, what are you bragging about that for? Just have the relationships. Act like you've been there. Don't act yeah. like a fanboy. Be a professional. And that's where I'm really frustrated with podcasting is that there's too many of the fans that are coming in and penetrating a market where the professionals are also trying to get it done. And it's kind of hurting it on both sides. No, I think you you made a great valid point. And it's the thing about doing a podcast. And I had a couple of people come up to me and ask me. And they said, well, if I want to do a podcast, what do you suggest? I suggest you prepare a lot and I suggest that you practice. And somebody was saying, well, I'm going to get a podcast and I'm I'm going to get a couple of sponsors. Let me tell you right now, from somebody who has been back and forth with emails and phone calls and 
talking about, you know, how much is it for this spot and that spot? It's not easy. No. And that's that's the aspect of it that a lot of people don't understand because to make money, it sometimes you have to spend some money and you have to make sure that you're prepared for it. And they're looking at things just from a monetary standpoint of how their product can benefit from teaming up with you. And you have to be able to sell yourself. And that's not easy. Um you know, one person will tell you something. Well, we got to we got to raise up the flagpole to somebody else, and you may or may never hear back from them again. But there's a lot more than just two microphones and people talking. It's a lot, you know. And and I launched a baseball podcast uh, towards the end of 2019 uh, that I'll be bringing back when the season starts. But I'm doing it, you know, in special times of the year. Now I have a baseball background in addition to my wrestling background. This is a show meticulously planned that since I'm not day to day in the baseball world, I'm more of a, you know, of a novice on the outside. I, I really got to go in with my A game and you know, it, you get turned down a lot still just like anybody else would, but the successes I've seen just based off of the fact that it's like, look, what I'm going to tell you is this is going to be a 20 to 30 minute presentable entity. I'm not going to eat up all your time, but I'm also not going to waste your time. This is it. They either say yes, they either say no. I'm not a NASCAR fan. I can't go and start a NASCAR podcast. I'm not, you know, a, uh, a golf guy. I can't go and start a golf podcast. So people who are wrestling fans that, you know, maybe have a general knowledge of wrestling don't necessarily have to start a wrestling podcast just because they've seen, you know, Conrad's got 50,000 podcasts and he makes a shitload of money, you know, then they want to be that. It's just, it's not in the cards for everybody. And sponsorships right. are pain in the ass. It's there's there's no two ways around it. Having a cold call or cold email and just get ignored or you present it and you, you're like, I don't want to aim too high, but I don't want to sell myself too low. And then they come back with the number and you're like, well, shit. <laughs> so it, it's interesting, too, because, you know, when you do take something seriously, like, you know, you have multiple irons in the fire. It's not like you just have to worry about one show right now. I just have to worry about one show. You have many shows you're producing, and not only that, you have you know your job in the media, and you have a family. So that has got to be taxing sometimes to be able to allocate the proper amount of time for everything and still do what you love to do. Would you agree? Oh, understatement of the century. Um, you know, this past year, obviously with the pandemic and, and with what, what I do in broadcasting. You know, I had to scale back what I did with uh, TMPT Empire in a major, major, major way. And still to this day, you know, I, I, I have not done uh, a full-blown interview show in, in almost a year because of the fact that, you know, the time it takes to go into the whole preparation and the editing, it's a lot. And John, you know, again, 20-year friend, my partner in the TMPT Empire, I mean, has knocked it out of the park with what he's been able to do in this year and I've still been able to maintain doing not just, you know, eyes up here, not just uh, triple threat, not bringing back the baseball show, but I also do another show called new generation declassified, which you've That's been right. on with me. That's a and great, great show. I appreciate that. And it's just, it's one of those things. If you can etch out the time to get it done, get it done, but it is very time consuming and you have to be perfect on every single one. And if you can't give your all to that one, the rest are going to suffer. You're right. Um, you know, you can't really half-ass anything because at the end of the day, people are going to be hearing your product and they're going to be they're going to sniff it out pretty quickly if it's if it's not something that's up to par, especially when it comes to their time, which is very very valuable. 
Um, I got some questions here that have been happening in wrestling. I wonder if I could bend your ear and get your take on a few of these things. You could bend it, but it's underneath the headphones, so <laughs> it's standing straight up. So something that came across the newswire that I thought was really, really interesting, it was uh, we don't typically hear a lot about Joey Styles. However, uh, this came across from Wrestling Inc. and our good friend Raj Gary, uh, former ECW and WCW, I'm sorry, WWE announcer, uh, Joey Styles has filed a trademark for his stage name in February of uh, of this year. So what are your thoughts when it comes to something like this? Do you think that's just a play to potentially prevent anyone else from using his name or his likeness? Do you think it could be something that is to prevent WWE? We know he used to work for them. Yeah. But because we don't hear a lot about Joey, what makes you think that he may be wanting to do this? Well, from my knowledge of the situation as to why, you know, Joey Styles left wrestling, um, I'm going to just guess this is just a renewing of his trademark just to protect his asset, which is his name. Um, I think it has more to do with that than it does maybe return. I don't think he's going to be returning to wrestling. If he ever does, it's not going to be anytime soon. Right. Um, similar things, you know, like with, with the franchise, he owns the franchise Shane Douglas. Is he on TV every week? No, but he, that's his intellectual property. So he'll have to renew trademarks and all that good stuff when that time comes. Uh, so I think the story really is just that he's protecting his assets you know, it's got value, obviously. He, if he was going to come back to wrestling, he can use it. He's gonna, He's got more than enough uh, ownership if he's got the trademark papers. So, yeah, I think it's just a, a renewing of the asset. What do you think about, you know, we talk about people in, in history when it comes to wrestling, and obviously the Gordon Solis, the Jim Rosses, um, even Vince himself. Where do you think Joey falls when it comes into the pantheon of broadcasters? Because I know – we throw so many people's names out there and say the best. Um, where do you think he falls on that list of, of people when it comes to wrestling historians? Well, he's definitely the best the ECW had to offer. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'll put it at that. And that's not discrediting anybody from ECW. I, I would say what he did for the one-man booth is is next to really like a Gordon Soley whenever Gordon, you know, narrates those old, you know, films and, and was by himself at ringside. I think in terms of the modern era one-man booth, Joey Styles is the beginning and end of the story. I think that he was so amazing as the soundtrack of ECW. Uh, and whenever they did give him a, a color commentator, maybe the franchise and Rick Root excluded. I did love the two of them with him. Um, I just think that on his own, he was awesome. And, and to keep you captivated in, in that amount of time that they had in an hour, one voice doing the interviews, Doing the uh, the voiceovers and then doing the you know the the actual play by play, I mean it was kind of hard to top that. And again, one man booth, it's not easy. You know, you got basically you got your producer in your ear and you, and that's it. Who would you say present day or maybe recently could carry a broadcast booth by themselves? And that's not an easy thing either. As much as I like even Jr. in his prime, and 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 not to be disparaging against Jim, but. Jim in his prime, either Tony Schiavone in their prime. There's a lot of different guys you could talk about. I have one guy in mind, or actually two guys, uh, that I think could do it, but I want to hear what your take is. Who do you think right now, push came to shove, they're by themselves, could call one damn good pay-per-view? 
I don't think anybody can really do it by themselves anymore. I think there's too much that they rely on with people reading sponsorships and little ins and outs of the, uh, the, the nuances of a show. Now, I don't think it could happen. Now, if you go back about 15 years, I think Jr. could have still carried a show by himself if needed. Uh, and also, you know, and, and even 15 years ago, as much as I wasn't a big fan, Michael Cole probably could have done it at that point. And I'm talking like in the heart of, you know, Raw versus SmackDown, you know, whenever it was on like, you know, uh, UPN or CW <laughs> 15 years ago, you know, right. if Taz had to leave ringside for, you know, a half, half of the show, Michael Cole by himself, not terrible. Same thing with JR, but during that era now, and I'm not as familiar with a lot of the voices now as I maybe should be. But I, I just I don't I think there's too many little things going on that they you know, I don't think the guy who's doing the play by play can tell you what's going on on social media can tell you what's going on with the sponsor can tell you what's going on with this. I think there's too many little things to have a one man booth now. There's a couple of guys that that I think could definitely do a good job. And I think Ian over in uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. I'll give him a, he'll, I'll give him credit. I haven't heard him in a while, but I will give him credit for sure. I like him, and I and I gosh, I, I so sorely miss um, Mario Ronaldo. I, I just I thought he did an amazing job. Yeah, he, he just had done it too. <laughs> he had that voice. He had that that enthusiasm that really would bring you in, even to a match that wasn't even that exciting. But you're right; it it does take a very unique person to be able to do it all alone by themselves. And and you, as you said. Nowadays, it's not just a one-man job. With everything that you have to be aware of, all the things that you have to plug, all the storylines you have to be updating viewers on and what's coming up next after the break, there's so many things that one person, it's, it is kind of too much. But, yeah, um, Maura Ronello obviously brought to the table the professional broadcaster. Yes. You know, like a legit big fight sports broadcaster. And that's what you felt. Now, I thought some of his histrionics were a little over the top. And obviously, it's wrestling, so it needs to be over the top. But I, he is, bar none, probably the most accomplished outside wrestling broadcaster to come in and do a, a great job, you know, lock, stock, and barrel. And, and to say to even go back 15 years, you know, it's it's a really tough thing. And if you go back, and this is one thing I've seen in recent years and watching older shows, if you go back to 1988, okay, you go back to 1989, go watch a Superstars squash match. Go watch Jerry Lynn get squashed on the 1989 Superstars by, I think, Akeem, right? Mm-hmm. It, what you see is they literally don't talk about the match for more no. than the introduction and the finish. And in between are talking about, you know, the Bushwhackers are going to be taking on the Bolsheviks. Let's see uh, what Bushwhacker Luke has to say about blah, blah, blah. Hey, the magazine's coming out on Tuesday. Here's the cover. And you, I never realized it back then watching it. But you see how many little things go into an actual commentating match that Joey Styles by himself in 90, you know, 3, 94, 95, 96, and then into 97. He carried the stick. You know, and he did a hell of a job. I'm telling you, when he would go in the ring and he'd welcome you into ECW and then, you know, a second later, he's on the commentary, whether it was post-produced or whatever, just the soundtrack of the the company. And not many guys can say that. No, you're right. A lot of people can't. And, uh, you know, it's curious because I know, you know, when Joey had left wrestling, he had gone back to, I believe, like advertising sales. He was very successful before he had wrestling. Um, and I think wrestling was something that he just had fun on the side with, and he just happened to be very, very talented. So it'll be interesting to see if we ever see his name resurface again. Um, and maybe he's had his fill with wrestling, but, um, 
yeah, Joey Styles in the news, and I uh, just thought I would. It's it's great to hear him in the news. That's for sure. I mean, you know, we uh, we fortunately were able to have him on the air with us uh, on the two man power trip in that little amount of time from when he left WWE to then when he literally left the wrestling business. And it was a guy who, you know, we did a convention with him. I mean, just, you know, absolutely uh, just got completely blindsided and just, you know, completely crapped on, which it really stinks the way he had to exit because he's just such a hell of a talent. And uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him anytime soon, but uh, definitely would love to hear him on the uh, the old podcast airwaves again. No, I agree. I agree with you completely. Uh, moving on here, I thought this was interesting. I don't know if you had heard about this, but Tony Khan and AEW have recently uh, struck up a partnership with a production company that is in works with Sinmark uh, Cinemas to allow Revolution to be in limited theaters. Mm. Now, I don't know if they're going to have it in my area. It's a two-part question. A, what do you think of this concept? And B, for $20, would you plop down that money, get yourself a $50 popcorn and a $10 Coke <laughs> or whatever it is nowadays, and would you go watch it at the theater? Are they open? I, I wasn't even aware some states had them open. <laughs> on the Yeah, on the weekends, okay. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they are open. I don't think during the week a lot of the national chains are open. I could be wrong on that. Somebody can jump in the chat and tell me if uh, – I mean, you drive by these gigantic mausoleums now, you know, that have you very do. fancy lights on the outside and nothing going on on the inside. Let me take you back to around, uh, I would say, the early uh, 2010s. Uh, Impact, TNA, did this, and it was awesome. I, I could tell you I went to about three or four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to drive you know, about a half hour to a theater. It was uh, John, myself, a couple of our friends. Uh, I think being in the you know mid twenties helped being able to take that time on a Sunday and go to a pay per view at a movie theater, uh, and have that expendable money to buy that popcorn and soda and all that good stuff. Uh, but it made the event that much better. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was very cool. You got to be with people. You had your little clique that you were sitting with, and at that point, I want to say it was the Impact show, or I think it was still TNA. Um, Oh, gosh. Was it the Bound for Glory finals, maybe? Well, Sting and Hogan uh, at Bound oh, for Glory. Oh, that, oh. That, that year. One? Yes. That was one. And I think I saw two or three. Two, three, three or four. Don't quote me. But that one stands out to me, the Sting and Hogan Bound for Glory. And I loved it. I thought it was a great experience. So this is very cool. And I hope people go out and check it out. Yeah, I was kind of – I don't know. I was – I was excited to hear about it, especially if it was going to be in my neck of the woods. I think I would definitely check it out. And for 20 bucks, I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, let's be honest. In a pandemic, when things are disarray and, and you're really getting bored of being in just the house. You just want to get out. <laughs> you just want to get out and do something. And I, for 20 bucks, I would plop the money down. Now, interesting about this, I was reading on – where was I reading this? I was reading in a forum. Um was on one of the wrestling websites and you know people can comment on the article and people are like are you kidding me this is going to be crap you know i would not pay any money to see this blah 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 it's you know really i I don't know i find it hard to believe that a wrestling fan given the opportunity to watch wrestling even if it's not your preferred promotion wouldn't get a chance to go to the theater and watch it i would i mean 
It's definitely different. That's for that's for sure. It's it's an experience. And again, having done it, I can tell you it was really cool. And I think, you know, let's go back to closed circuit. Let's go back to the 80s. You know, when you were going into, you know, think about could you imagine going into Madison Square Garden or the Nassau Coliseum or something like that to watch the screen? Right. Back in the 80s. And that's yes. how, you, you know, if you weren't in the, you know, Chicago to see uh, the, you know, let's say uh, I don't know, Survivor Series 89, you go to a closed circuit place. I think pay-per-view was around at that, but just use that for uh, just a general idea. Right. And you're sitting there like this, looking up at the giant, you know, 1980s uh, Jumbotron. That's how people went to watch closed circuits. So it's cool they're bringing it back. And that's, you know, I'll give AEW credit every day of the week. They think outside the box. And that's that's another great one. Well, speaking of that, before we kind of jump onto our next one, what are your thoughts on the the current state, you know, with wrestling? Um, I, how often do you guys talk about it on with Shane? How much do you talk about it with, with Franny? Um, is it something that you bring up? I mean, I know you guys definitely have a ton of other things that you guys discuss, but what's your opinion on where it is right now? Because I think a lot of people would agree we're kind of in a weird place right now. We're in a place where... We're excited about AEW, yet we're cautiously optimistic. And I think some people are disappointed with the direction WWE is going, um, excited about Impact, where they're going to be going. But where do you fall in that whole thing? Are, are you are you in or are you kind of, eh, I'm on the peripheral? I got to be honest, I'm kind of out on everything <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think I, I've been wrestling out for quite a while. I keep tabs via social media. Um, but I'm kind of out on everything and that has nothing to do with any of the performers or any of the, I I still marvel at the production of every show and how they do it, especially how everybody's done their shows during the pandemic. Um, but I don't know. I've been kind of out on everything. I follow what I can, but kind of, kind of out. I feel like I'm aged out, but I know there's really no age bracket. I think I'm technically in the, uh, (laughs) the, uh, the, the, the prime age, uh, subjects for the ratings. (laughs) What, what do you think would put somebody off of wrestling right now if you were talking to a group of people and you were to say, you know, hey, I loved wrestling, but now this has kind of put me off? What would you – if you could pinpoint exactly what that was that kind of steered you away? Yeah, I don't know. I just think the style changes weren't really my cup of tea. You know, just too many high spots. I mean, you know, sound like the old guy here. Too many high spots. Looks way rehearsed, way choreographed. Uh, not in a good way. Um, you know, I see all the training videos, guys, where they're literally practicing moves in training camps. And it's like, I know they've always done that, but just I don't want to see it, kind of thing. And I don't sure. know. That's, I don't really. There's nobody I can invest in as a character. There's nobody I really believe is a major star. You know, the whole the brand is the star. If let's take WWE for instance, then that kind of hurts because. How do you not get behind a certain guy? How is a certain guy not an underdog? The 50-50 booking completely killed it. The repetitive matches, you know, and that was really like, I mean, the last time that I, I was watching, like on a semi-consistent basis, it was the uh, Cesaro and Sheamus as the bar. And was it the New Day? I mean, it's like every week it was just this the bar versus the New Day and yep. some different variation, six-man, you know, regular tag. It's like, how many times are they going to do this stuff? So that's kind of why I tapped out. Just, they've, they've literally done it all. <laughs> they come back and they circle it. Now, I was intrigued with The Fiend. I thought The Fiend character in WWE was awesome. But, you know, kind of kind of gone away. <laughs> a 
I did. Anytime Kane has been back on TV, that's the only time I've tapped in. Let's put it that way. <laughs> big, big uh, Glenn Jacobs guy, huh? I'm always in for Glenn. Glenn's my buddy, so uh, I'm always in for Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, just kind of put a bow tie on this on this topic here. I I like the idea of it being in the theaters. I think it's different. I think it's fun. I think if it was priced right and it wasn't ridiculous and I think it could be something to do. I think it could be fun. I'm one of those people who's in a not because I'm friends with Jerry, but I am very happy for the people who are in AEW. And I know how hard they're working. And Jerry has always said that. He goes, it is a group of people who work their butts off in and out night after night. And he said, it's a pleasure to work with people like that. And Jerry's straight to the point when I talk to him and, and he has nothing but rave reviews for the people he works with. And he is so happy to be back in wrestling as well. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I have a, I have a sentimental connection to the whole thing and, you know, to see, see my buddy doing well and seeing the company do well. Um, I'm pulling for him. I really yeah. am. I might've, you might, I might've lost you for a second. So if you ask specifically about AEW, I'm sorry for going off in the WWE direction and I'll just give AEW uh, credit for this, just that they, they are presenting themselves in a way. I think a lot of people want to watch wrestling, but again, same thing with that. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that I, I personally just can't get invested in with styles and too much of the same stuff on one show. But I think the, the opportunity they're giving to everybody is awesome and having other options is uh, is wonderful. And I mean, who who saw the Big Show or Paul White going there? I mean, that that was shocker. <laughs> well, let's kind of throw that out there. Do you think that was a good idea? Do you think, from oh, a standpoint, absolutely. oh, I think it was a good move just for the name value, hundred percent, and just for that chance that you know that one guy goes by the channel, sees that he's on there. Oh, hundred percent. Now, if they go back down the Shack versus uh, Paul White. Uh, road, then it's like, all right, come on, just, just, just don't do Let that. Let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe never have them cross paths ever. But love the legends being involved. Love Jake. Love Tully Blanchard. Love all that stuff. Obviously, Sting. You know, hearing Shivani and Jr. That part of it, five stars or ten stars or fifty stars. Love it. The Paul White signing completely didn't see it coming, but for star power, it was an absolute must. Well, they also said he's going to be coming in to be an announcer. So I think that would that's be interesting weird as well. That's <laughs> that a little was, surprising. That's a little weird. He's definitely going to be the biggest. Uh, maybe, maybe Bill, how tall is Bill Walton? Go get a, uh, go get a height. Oh, up he's huge. <laughs> maybe the two of them could battle it out for tallest uh, uh, announcers ever. Well, kind of switching gears here. When it comes to wrestling promotions using YouTube, I think that's a very fascinating angle because Now with social media, with outlets like YouTube and Twitch, and there's so many other ones, do you think that it's it's a smart move with wrestling to not necessarily feel like you need to have a network? You can have your own on-demand channel just on a YouTube? Yes and no. Yes, because, I mean, I've got two phones sitting next to me. They both have YouTube on it. We have it at our literal fingertips anywhere we turn around. I got three screens in front of me. I could pull YouTube up on each screen if I want to. That part of it, good. Part of it bad is what's the barometer of views? Do we know that they're legit views? Is it a bot? Is it purchased? What if I see, you know, and I'm not singling them out. If I see the NWA on there and it says the NWA has, you know, uh, 1.3 million views. Am I really supposed to believe that 1.3 million people have watched 
this episode of the NWA versus people not tuning into Raw on a weekly basis. So that's where I don't find it as a good barometer. But in terms of, let's say, uh, you know, the big fight everybody wants to watch, I do like that being up there because then that is a barometer. If I put up my world title match and it has, you know, 500,000 views in three days, I know I got something. So I do, I'd say yes and a no for me. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting because AEW has definitely leveraged um, YouTube. With- oh, yeah, they've done amazing. But let, let, but it's, I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it goes from the Being the Elite series. Obviously, we've seen the numbers that that series pulls in, you know, and in the, the Meltzer Awards for, for whoever takes that for what it is, he puts that in the wrestling show category. So if that's where eyeballs go, then they hit it out of the park on YouTube, and AEW is very smart to uh, – to, to utilize YouTube in the way they do. If I can steal a phrase from the WWE, it's what's best for business. <laughs> yes. Hang on oh. one second. <sighs> okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to another topic, ECW related. How much did Vince McMahon pay Paul Heyman to keep ECW afloat? Now I'll tell you this, Chad, We've had many, many discussions before as far as the financial agreements, the financial relationships that WWE had with ECW back in the day. Um, you know, Paul claims he never took a dime from WWE to keep the company going. Unfortunately, some people will say that that's not exactly true. Some people will say it was true. How much do you think? Now that we're looking back at history, that WWE played a significant role in making sure that they're at that point developmental territory, if you will, um, was kept afloat. Yeah, I don't know how much money would have exchanged, you know, during the height of ECW, um, you know, maybe a bailout here or there, possibly maybe some, you know, emergency funds. I, I don't know if he was legit getting money to are you saying to fund the company? Directly. Yeah, to keep it af- to keep it afloat. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say. Um, you know, obviously, I've heard the stories directly from both, you know, Shane and Francine about what they kind of experienced. Um, you know, Shane's very famously told the story of you know being in a production studio, picking up the phone, hearing Vince's voice, and basically being like, "What is he doing on this phone in the ECW television studio?" And for whatever the guys knew or didn't know, I I can't really say. I I think he definitely gave them something. Obviously, there was a pipeline of talent back and forth. Um, You know, it gave thankfully gave us guys like Justin Credible. You know, we got to see guys like Doug Furness go back to ECW, you know, and have some cool matches. And we got to see some of the, uh, you know, the Japanese talent that wasn't being used move over to ECW. We got to see Draws go to ECW. We saw some pretty cool crossover so i don't know how much he was literally paying them but i think there was definitely some uh some payola going towards philadelphia down i-95 well it was interesting because most recently on grilling jr's podcast he uh talked about it specifically and he mentioned how vince and the powers that be up at titan towers knew that ecw was in dire straits now jim goes on to say he doesn't know the exact number but he does feel like from what he's trying to recall from from memory um, that it was about $50,000 a month that they were pushing ECW's way to kind of help keep things going. Hmm. Interesting. Do Do you think that number would surprise a lot of people or do you think 
based upon what we've heard and, and really what you have mentioned as well with Shane that no, we could probably see that happening just from the standpoint of Vince is a smart man. He knew that ECW had a ton of talent. It would be in his best interest to keep that afloat, to keep the guys in shape, to keep the guys working. So at some point in time, if he said, hey, Paul, I need somebody, boom, it could happen. So 50 grand. That's what he's saying. And here's a quote here. I don't remember exactly. 50,000 a month number sticks out, but I may be wrong on that. In any event, we were helping them. He was getting a regular check to keep the doors open longer than if he hadn't. Um, And it goes on and it talks more about Vince and their relationship and whatnot. But um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Meaning let's keep them open. So when that moment happens, when we need somebody, boom, we can have them. See, I don't think the 50 grand would be to keep the company afloat. I I think at that point when, if they were funneling money to him, it would have been more operational uh, for things that maybe would have hurt their bottom line to to pay out of pocket. Maybe if they knew, hey, we're getting it. And again, if they if this was the case, if they were getting a monthly check and say, all right, you know, that's paying for, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z for live shows, or this is what's keeping our, you know, uh, hyper connectivity or, you know, <laughs> website running. You, you don't know what the 50 grand was for. So I don't think it was right. to keep the company afloat. Because $50,000 a month for a wrestling company, I mean, like, especially what they were doing at that point. I mean, how much, how far would that have gotten them? I don't know if it would have gotten really that far. And I think it's interesting because. And let's take $1,997 into effect here. (laughs) This is true. Um, There was a documentary that I saw where the Sandman was saying that he was making about 150 k a year. Yeah, I believe it. And if he was making 150 k then you knew some of those guys were were knocking down some pretty good money. I mean, think about it. For ECW, that's damn good money. I mean, there are guys in NXT right now, we were recently talking about this on an episode, that they, when they first come in, they're making about 50 or 60K. Yeah. It's not a ton of money. So if people think that people in NXT are rich, it, by all means, they're, they're not. They're not. It's not until you really start to establish your name and prove that you can make money for the company are you going to get that bump? Yeah, you see basically uh, managers in retail making the same amount of money that a guy in NXT is making, you know, coming through the door. Now, whether or not that's kind of a controlled thing by WWE, they could alter that if they want to. Obviously, their profits are sky high, so they could maybe throw them a couple extra shekels if they wanted to. But I, I just think in terms of like, okay, to take a guy like the Sandman. So the Sandman's making 150 then, you know, Shane's probably making 150 and Raven's probably making 150 and Taz is probably making 150. But look at the locality of a lot of the wrestlers to their home operations. Well, they're if right they're, there. If they're operating out of New York. They're basically out of Philly and all the places in between. They go to Massachusetts and we're talking prime ECW, not, you know, the later years where they would travel a lot more. They go down to Florida. They're in Massachusetts. They're in Philly. They're in Jersey. They're, in, you know, all over Pennsylvania. They, they, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. It was easy to get guys to kind of move around and to keep the lower price, uh, the, the the higher price plane flights from coming in. You know, you had your Sabus, you had whoever, if he was going to Japan, whatnot. But I just think if we're just going to stick with that 50 grand number, I think that that's kind of, that did not keep them afloat. I think it was definitely to help with operations, but not the be all end all. If that check came in, I'm sure they were still going to scramble for certain things, but I don't know if it was, keeping the lights on of the company. I think it's interesting that, you know, 
I don't know what's more entertaining, the way wrestling was in the late 90s leading up to 2000 or the retrospective look at wrestling when it was in the late 90s into 2000s. I think the latter. (laughs) It is the latter. It's definitely interesting to be able to pull the curtain back and to be able to now see things, you know, with a, with a, a good pair of glasses and everything's in hindsight at this point and say, wow, that was more fascinating than what actually the product was on TV. Right. And and just to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this hour, that's where the wrestling podcast genre needs to go is to really put an emphasis on a lot of that classic stuff that's being unearthed. Now, a lot of times you'll get repeat stories or you'll get a retelling of a story from three different points of view. But that's where I feel like the bread and butter is right now of what people want to consume you know, and as funny as you, Jerry and Mikey are together or, you know, me, Shane and John together or me and Francine together or John and, you know, Dirty Dutch or whoever he's doing a show with together. It comes down to the fact that this is the content I think people want to consume versus every week talking about what's going on in NXT, what's going on in AEW, what's happening on Raw, what's happening on SmackDown. And it's nothing against the people who were performing. Right. But it's just this stuff is so damn interesting because it's like we're talking about the Wild West compared to now. Um, something I thought was really, really interesting, talking about different promotions and different brands. Um, very interesting. There is a rumor, and I don't know if there's any truth to this. Maybe there will be. Maybe we'll find out a little bit more. But NXT potentially moving to a different night. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of you have often – uh, gotten in different conversations and arguments about whether or not you know AEW was the one who allegedly started the uh, the war, or if it was WWE that was the one that instigated it. Here's the thing: the war in itself is propagated by the audience. It is not, in my opinion, something that was initially projected at either one of them. For example, what I mean by this is I think AEW didn't even really initially want to be on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. That just happened to fall out in the cards with the deal with TNT. With NXT, though, I think NXT, do you feel like they definitely had some aspect of, yeah, we do want to see if we can go up with these guys. Do you think there was a little bit of moxie, no pun intended, that they had about wanting to squash or flex their muscle, or you know, show the new kid on the block that the old kid is still the king. Do you think there was any truth to that, or do you think that's just a bunch of wrestling fans trying to hype something up that just never really existed? It's a good question. I don't know. I'm still stuck on your pun. We would have to change it to a little Moxley. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of a little Moxie, a little Moxley. Um, I don't know. I mean, Vince is pretty. Uh, he's pretty, like. You know, he's pretty sharp when it comes to that kind of stuff. Whether they look at AEW as direct competition, the thing is, is that they're putting their minor leagues up against an entity of AEW. So it's kind of saying to them right now, it's like, okay, yeah, well, if we go to war with you, we're sending the the under the underlings. We're sending the, the low guys on the totem pole to take on your powerhouse. And the fact that the ratings have kind of been here and there and AEW is up a little bit and then NXT kind of comes up and AEW takes off. I don't know. Was it done on purpose? Uh, maybe, but it's showing them, hey, we're sending our minor leaguers to take on, you know, your prime star. So be that what it is. They don't see it as competition for Raw or SmackDown. So competition for NXT now. Right. 
Uh, Daniel Bryant recently gave an interview and he made some very interesting comments. He said that in his opinion, um, whether or not it's the opinion of the brass or it's the opinion of Vince or whomever, but he doesn't think that NXT necessarily is a developmental anymore. He was originally uh, in the interview stated that that was the intent, but due to the way wrestlers have gotten over and the popularity of the brand, he very much sees the gold and black brand as a third uh, extension of the company. So there's kind of an interesting concept to think about here. One, you're bringing people in who definitely need time and they need TV time to hone their craft. However, in the same conversation, you have a lot of veterans who are coming in there. Specifically, most recently, you're bringing in Taya Valkyrie, which in some ways it surprised me that she came in. Then again, knowing her husband works for the company, they probably have worked something out where they could have something work out for them down the line. Uh, Eli Drake coming into the mix. I'm wondering right now, do you think that at this moment it is still considered the developmental territory, or do you think that that cachet is starting to to wash off and they will be seen more so as a third extension, a lower third extension, mind you, but still a third extension? Wrestling's about money. If those guys aren't making what the guys on Raw and SmackDown are making, it's the minor leagues. Plain and simple. So Daniel Bryan can say whatever the hell he wants. As long as there's a <laughs> training center attached to the building and those guys are making considerably lower than the folks on television. And now NXT, if minor leagues or not, they have trading cards. They have action figures. They have T-shirts. They get merchandise. Those guys 15 years ago in OVW would have cut off their arms for that kind of stuff. Um, as long as the pay is not on the same scale, it's the minor leagues. It's developmental. There's no two ways around it. It's not WWE City and Scooby-Doo uh, WrestleMania mystery where there's a training center every five feet. It's developmental. And Ty Valkyrie, I was surprised that they brought her in to go straight to uh, the NXT camp. That's only to WWE eyes her, which you know we know that they do. People have been on the independent scene for a long time with very few exceptions in the last 10 years. And it's, uh, you know, it's it just that's the way they do it. So as long as they, if, if those guys are making Daniel Bryan money, then it's not the minor leagues. If they're making, uh, you know, what a guy who works at, uh, you know, the gap as a part time uh, manager or, you know, <laughs> a key holder. I'm sorry. It's not uh, it's not anything but developmental. So basically what it boils down to is what are you paying your stars and if you're paying your stars non-star money, then the company obviously does not see you probably as a game player. Right. And guys like, you know, that coming from Impact who were having trouble getting paid as it is, are going to take that developmental contract and run with it because now they have that guarantee that they didn't have an impact that they might not get paid on a certain week. So, and, and, and in dealing with freelancers in the way that I, you know, I have my personal job, I know that if they're going to have a chance to make solid money, could be a little bit lower or show up to a place. It might be there one week. It might not be. You're going to go with the guaranteed money. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I can definitely see that angle of it as well. It's uh, it's just interesting to see what, you know, other wrestlers think about where NXT actually falls. Um Something I want to ask you here. It's uh, it's another very interesting topic here, and this will be the last one before we uh, we send you off into the land of relaxation. But uh, 
this one has piqued my interest because some things tell me it may happen and some things tell me it may not happen. But that's why we have you here this week. You might be able to give us an insight on what's going on. And that is Conventions Ooh. 2021. Yes. All Will right. it happen or won't it happen? <laughs> what are the odds? What do we got? What are you hearing right now? You work with a lot of superstars that, you know, I've talked to Mikey and Jerry about conventions and whatnot behind closed doors. Hey, is this going to happen? Is that not going to happen? Um, what does your gut tell you right now based upon conversations you've had? Do you feel like it could happen or it's kind of a long shot? I, I think it's definitely happening. There's some little ones. There's one in New York this coming weekend. Uh, we've seen a lot more of the in-person signings returning uh, on a much smaller scale. Uh, the big event, which is one of the marquee uh, conventions in the Northeast, is going to be operating. And that's a big deal, but it's with heavy restrictions. It's with certain signing times. Certain number of people can be in the building. I don't think you can buy tickets at the door. Everything had to be pre-purchased. There's only X number of vendors that can be in a convention floor at one given time. Um it's kind of a TBD scenario, but you know, I know the Squared Circle Expo in Indiana is is trying to be operational in May, and I think it's going to depend on a your state that the convention is going to be in, and, and kind of b your own personal you know fear of do you not want to be in a large group? Do you want to have to wear a mask for five hours at a convention? It can get very hot. It can get very cluttered. It can get very you know, intense. Um, it's kind of TBD. The virtual signings, I, I think, are a really cool thing. I, mean, I think for the guys, it's awesome. It's, uh, you know, creating opportunities across the board. They can work with five different vendors in the same state if they wanted to in one day and reach a completely different audience. Uh, so I think that that's been such a, a great little kind of side business to the conventions. And I think those are now here to stay and you will see virtual signings forever now based off of the success. Uh, myself, I do private signings. When I do my autograph stuff, I do private. So I go direct. You, you send me your item and I go to the person and I get their signature and I send it back to you. Nice. It's, it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. You know, it's, it's all completely done with, you know, complete, you know, carefulness and, and, you know, much, much, much deliberation and trying to stay as safe as possible. Um, but in terms of conventions, it's just TBD right now because if, this, if another wave comes through in the summertime, conventions are bye-bye. I think the more interesting thing is the indie scene. What happens to the independents post-2021 and into 2022? You make a good point. It should be interesting to see what's going to happen in 2021. And it, it's crazy how the year just tends to fly by. I mean, it's only February, but soon, folks, it'll be summer. And uh, the year will be half over and we'll be looking down the road to find out what's going to happen again. You know, I can't even believe this whole pandemic thing um, is going on a year. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost we were talking. Remember that first uh, two weeks or so, you know, we, we, we were chit chatting and just literally starting. And I'll, I was picking my daughter up from the bus. I believe the day everything ended, that, that was a Thursday or Friday. I The day everything shut down, I remember talking to you. And that was all she wrote for the last year. And we're coming up on one year of it already. It's freaking nuts. But I mean, we're not the only ones that feel that way. So Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody but listening I, can understand. <laughs> but I will tell you a good thing about this is I think some really cool relationships have been, you know, not only established, but have been able to continue as well. 
And I think, you know, staying in contact with people hopefully is something that we've, we've realized is very important and that we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, and speaking of that, before we let you go, I want you to once again tell everybody where they can find you, where they can hear your shows, how to follow you on social media. Give them the spiel. I always forget something. And then when we'll get off, I'll be like, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Completely forgot. Um, basically, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Chad EMB. Uh, my personal website is ibexclusives.com. There is where I do all my autograph signing stuff. Uh, mostly baseball, a little bit of wrestling sprinkled in there. Uh, I've worked with Kurt Angle. I've worked with Kane. I've worked with uh, Shane Douglas over the last few months doing signings that you basically send in your items. We get them signed. We send it back to you. So that's uh, side business, you know, number six. Um, but the podcasting, that's the bread and butter here. You know, please go out and listen to the TMPT Empire. It's TMPTEmpire.com. There you have the entire run of the interviews that we broadcast on the TMPT feed. Uh, my partner, John, does. He kicks it in the ass every week. He literally dominates it. Rare guys you've never heard from. <laughs> Classic, classic guests. It's all on the TMPT Empire feed. Uh, and my show that I do on there is called New Generation Declassified. Like I said, you were a Pretty guest sure. on it. Yes. It's a fun look back at a time that is completely forgotten by the wrestling world between 93 and 97. Um, we've been stuck in a merchandise loop for the last three weeks. And the episode that drops on Wednesday is about the rarest set of WWF trading cards to hit the scene during that era and I, and I, I cannot believe the knowledge that I personally learned from this one episode. So if you like that kind of rare niche stuff, check out new generation declassified. It's not reinventing the wheel. I'm not Bruce Pritchard. I'm just looking back from a fan's <laughs> point of view, telling you, this is what I remember it being like. This is what it's like now. And we kind of have a different guest in there and they give you their take on it too. Uh, and then head out over to the brand for the TMPT empire podcast on there and the franchise Shane Douglas, the Triple Threat podcast, uh, just a plethora of knowledge every single week from Shane. He is such still, I say, the most untapped resource in the wrestling industry. And we get to hear him every week on Triple Threat. And for the Queen of Extreme Francine, it's patreon.com slash Francine podcast. Four episodes a week that we wow. publish on Patreon. One main show, three extras. We do a watch long every Thursday. We go back and look at ECW. It's a ball. We do quizzes. We play games. It is not your average wrestling uh, content, but it's fun. And that's the most important part. And if you do like to laugh, why don't you check out Get My Go? I'm featured on there every so often. You can go to the Get My Go YouTube page. You could also find it on all your favorite podcasting apps. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. And that's Guys. all I Look at this. Look at this guy. See, this is why I hang out with people like this. He's a <laughs> pro, and we cannot thank you enough for your time. Chad, thank you so much. Guys, follow him. Follow him on social media. Support Shane. Support Franny, the Triple Threat podcast, and, uh, and everything that he's associated with. The baseball podcast that's going to be coming back. I'm yeah, very yeah, excited I told about you, it. I forgot about it. I always forget something. Diamond Conversations, coming to the Creative Control Network. <laughs> that is amazing. All right, Chad. We want to thank you for your time, and we will talk to you down the road again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great night. You got it. Guys, we'll be back after this. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me.
sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy, it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. Take it. sexy for your party too sexy for your party no way i am disco dancing i'm a model you know what i mean and i do my little turn on the cowwalk yeah on the cowwalk on the cowwalk yeah i do my little for my hat too sexy for my hat what do you think about that okay. I'm a model you know what I mean and I do my little turn on the cowwalk yeah on the cowwalk on the cowwalk yeah I do my little turn on men are being unclosed and mooching for t-shirts as well as using their dead relative's chair. For as little as $5 a week, you can prevent this man from continuing to use a dead relative's chair as well as going unclothed and mooching for merchandise from other podcasts and superstars. Please donate what you can at frmpod at gmail.com You know, every time I hear that, I can't help it. It makes me smile. And guys, I am so excited to bring somebody on. Um, before we get into the talk about wrestling, about this, about that, this is a gentleman who is one of the creative minds behind Front Row Material. He is the one who puts these commercials together, the ads together, all that kind of stuff. He is Anton. What is going on, my friend? Good to see you. Good to see you as well, Mr. Freeland. Enjoying a nice night off of the day job, night job, however you want to word that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What do we got going on here? Do we have ourselves uh, a special? No fucking crow's over. Good to wow. see you, Mr. Wick. There he is. <laughs> you fuckers! Wow. Good right. to see you. Have you ever read this? 
Anton LaVey. Yeah. I helped him write it. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Well, I was just about to uh, to continue talking about Anton here, but we will hold, we will post the yeah. accolades shortly. But uh, Mikey, you, you've got this, um, we've often used this phrase, the whole mecca, like a hey, mecca, honey, ho, from Pee Wee's Playhouse, just the head. That's what I have right now of you. Just the head in all total darkness. This is what birds see. <laughs> it is good to see you. It has been forever and a day since we've gotten a chance to hear your uh, your voice. What is going on, my friend? It hasn't been that fucking long, has it? No, it's three weeks, four weeks. Been, yeah, it's been been over three weeks. At least right. three weeks. I've been dealing with some very annoying mental issues. So it's just been. Uh, well, in case you, I, I fell like a couple weeks ago now, and I smacked the back of my head on, in, against my barbecue grill. So, not me for a loop, and it's been, uh, well, it was before that too, but it's just been some uh, difficult time, so to speak. And, and at some point, we can discuss when I'm in a better frame of mind. But uh, I'm at the point where I just don't. I'm very good at hiding when I'm feeling a certain way. And when we come to the podcast, you guys expect a certain Mikey to come on. And there are many times that I just don't feel like being quote unquote Mikey. I just want to be John. And half the time, I don't even want to be him, to be honest. So when I come on here and I feel like Freeland has his shtick, right? He plays. He plays like the, the creeper type guy, right? Jerry. Jerry plays the uh, technically inept, uh, nice guy Jerry Lynn, who every now and then will break into heel Jerry Lynn and go off on Freeland. And then there's Craigie Mikey, who has to fucking be funny. And I found it very overwhelming to have to be funny and entertaining, and hide everything and make everything all hunky dory uh, every week. And like there, there like. I don't think that the last week I was on, I forget which one it was, but you, I think you could probably tell halfway through. I just checked out. Like, I think I actually, I actually left the stream. Yeah. For a second, so, something happened here and I had to go deal with it. And, uh, I just said, fuck it. I just, I fuck it. I just can't. So it's well, been, it, it's sorry. been very. Well, we respect when you, you know, have shit to deal with. And we also don't expect you to always get on here and be funny. There was an episode early on when I was first going through the archives where you got on here one day and you're like, no, nah, I just want to fucking get all this out. And you went on a good 10, 15 minute spill of just fuck this, fuck that. Let me get all this out. And then when you got all that out, you're like, OK, we, we can continue this. But I, I really needed all of that out. See, what, what, what I get that. Moves like that. And yeah, I, I know it doesn't. I'll, I'll you're free to do that whenever. We we actually love that. We love when you're honest about real life. When you're John Mikey being John, right? You know what I mean? Like, yep. we we just appreciate when you're here. We you know we appreciate real life you. Like you know the gimmick's fun. The gimmick is what it is. But we also we like this. We like the one on one. Just truly, you know, getting a peek behind the curtain, if you will. We 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 really do. At least from my point of view that's part of why i show up every week i like just the bullshit the camaraderie this is fun for me it's a nice break from my own personal life so yeah. see that and that's the thing too that like was it was, was hard for me because i've gotten so many fucking messages from people saying 
you know, Mike, you coming on and just you, you guys just have get me through my work day. You guys get me through this. And I was going through a divorce and my parents got COVID and they both died in this. And I'm like, fuck, this, this is fucking pressure I can't fucking handle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just it just got to the point. And I was talking to Jerry and he's got a lot going on, too. You know, but, but we always said that we were going to do this together. And and Freeland would actually fucking swindle this into this. <laughs> right. By playing. The, oh, he said he'll do it if you'll do it. You know, that, that fucking routine. But it's, it's just like there's a dynamic when me and Jerry are on together. And I got a good relationship with Mike and Mike has a good relationship with Jerry. But when it's not all three of us, it's fucking weird. Right. And it's just it's just different. And like, I don't know. It's a very much a three musketeers thing. You'll all play yeah. off the dichotomy of each other. It's a fun, it's a three-way dynamic. And without one of those pieces in the cock, it's just not quite the same. I, I right. do understand entirely. <laughs> you know, and we, we told Mike too, we said, look, Mike, you know, it's just, you know, and Jerry's playing nice. He's, you know, he's playing my backup. You know what I mean? Huh. And, you know, and I, I even, when I was, we called Mike and to tell him that, look, we need a break. Um, I just came out and said, look, I just need a break. Like, I just... I can't. I just, I just fucking can't. You know, like tonight I felt fine. All right. And uh, I hopped on like the last five minutes of, of being on with Chad. I said, fuck it, I'm going to hop on. Fuck it. You know, and, and for right now, that's how it has to be. Like, yeah, what next week I could just be like completely like, fuck this, fuck you, fuck everybody. I don't give a fuck. You know, and I just, to, to have to come on and every Tuesday at nine o'clock be on, it's, it's just, it's just too much. I can't fucking handle it. Well, we got. Well, I mean, it's don't, don't feel pressured. Don't. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing that we we have always kind of, I think, prided ourselves in being, is honest and upfront. Um. And I think with with this situation. I think it's good that in it and it shows a lot of uh, courageousness with Mikey to be able to share something like that. I, I can honestly tell you, I don't know how I would because um, it's it is very difficult. However, with that being said, the things that Mikey shares, I guarantee you, promise you, people are hearing this right now and they're saying, oh, my God, I felt that way or wow, I'm not the only one who's felt you know, a little out of sorts at times because life is hard and I give a lot of people credit. I really do. And it takes a lot, Mikey. So. Yeah. Like I, I like I text Mike when we talked, I talked to you yesterday, I think. Yeah. And like, like, and this goes for everybody, not just for Elon. I, I don't fucking talk to anybody. Like I do not pick up the phone. I don't fucking talk. I'll talk to you. I, 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 I talk to Jerry. Just like the only person, if he calls, I'll pick it up. No matter what I'm doing, I'll pick it up. You know what I mean? Like, nothing against Mike, but I just, I don't want to fucking talk to people. Jerry's, right. just Jerry's just one of those people that me and him just click. And it's one of those, even if I'm in the fucking worst mood, at least when I'm on the phone with him, I'll say something stupid and get him laughing. And his laugh will just be very fucking therapeutic. And we'll just end the whole thing, you know, just fucking laughing and just being retarded. You know what I mean? So it's, I just don't talk to people. Like, and I told Mike too, I said, the only thing I want to fucking do is sleep and play PUBG. That's all I want to do. You know, I, I do my own little Twitch thing on the side that I'm doing just because I need some sort of fucking 
interaction. Fuck the interaction. I don't give a fuck about the interaction. I, I just want to do something. Be creative in a way that it's just me doing my own thing. I don't have to fucking worry about this one says this or this one could do this. I can't. Do I just want to do. And it has me like when I feel like doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And really, it's just playing fucking video games and goofing off with Freddy and and Pat and Phil and them and just fucking and Steve just basically killing people in a video game and busting each other's balls. So yeah. That's well, where at I'm any at. point you want to kill hookers on Grand Theft Auto with me? I'm down. Just saying. I'll totally hop on some Grand Theft Auto online and kill some hookers with you. I was <laughs> thinking about it. Just do it on, on the Twitch thing if I felt like it. Like, do like a... Uh, if they subscribe to my channel, do like a subscriber fucking round. I'll get like, you know, three of us on and just fucking whatever. But I don't know. Again, I, we can start it, right? I can be five minutes and go, ah, fuck it. Fuck it, yeah. And I just fucking turn it. <laughs> Which would, would, wouldn't be the nicest thing to do either. So. Let, let me ask you this, Mikey. Do you have you ever had any conversations with other people um, that you've worked with that have felt similarly without giving names? Do you feel like there's others who also have dealt with situations like this? Um, kind of, but I'm not going to mention names. But Not at all. The people I talk to that that have these problems that 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 I've talked to. Now I'm not saying that mm -hmm. there are more guys that haven't, but they have other things going on. They have uh, chemical dependency problems, and they have this, and, and they don't have like they don't have their shit together. Right. You know what I mean? Does that does that make sense? No, it does. It makes total sense. Trying to be mean in front and slam anybody. No. But. I, I, when my body started to break down a bit and I knew that, okay, I cannot do this full time. It's just, and it was right around the time ECW closed. And I, I knew at that point that I could do the Indies on, on a Friday and Saturday, maybe a three shot weekend or whatever, but I, I cannot do five days a week. Like it's just, it wasn't going to fucking happen. So I knew at that point that, okay, well, Mr. Watson, you have shit you have to do. You have people you need to take care of, so you need to fucking do things to, in the future, allow you to provide. So that's what I did. So I, I saw the writing on the wall, and I prepared for the inevitable, which which came earlier than a lot of people did. But I was lucky enough to get out and have a real gig during the week, as frustrating as it can be. Um, but I don't have to rely on wrestling you have to make this shot to pay your bills you yeah like if that. i do something it's because i feel like doing it and if i don't want to do something i just say no and i'm very happy so not i'm not too to my own horn but i saw i saw it coming and i didn't want to end up 50 years old with nothing and starting all over from scratch like working at walmart not to say anything wrong working at walmart no, but that, that's that's a job you'd like to have really young you move to a career or if you stay there you go into a career in management and you move up or you do it like when you retire and because we treat old people like shit they still have to work um they do something like they're like a door greeter you know what i mean we have a guy who scrubs floors and does trash he's been there like 30 years he's in his 70s he's on maintenance like i am that's literally all he does is scrub floors and do trash and nothing else and no one says shit to him while i do a good bit more but i'm 27 
So I don't give a shit. I've been there almost three yeah. years. It allows me to invest in my music shit, pay for my, you know, car, etc., rent. Do I want to be there forever? No, but I'm using it to chase what I have a degree in and what I want to do. So I feel that. I feel that fucking entirely. And yeah. I also applaud you for realizing you needed a side plan before you wanted it, but did the right thing by your future. I applaud that. I have a question, if it's not too personal. Do you think the mental stuff, was it before wrestling? Or do you think it's mostly to do with CTE and things of that nature? If Again, if you don't want to answer, powder. I don't give a no. shit. No. But... I've always been crazy. Like, it's... <laughs> Still not, not that I'm not that I'm I'm crazy, but I've always no, been. I, I know what you mean. You know, uh, high strung. <laughs> um, but I got concussions at young. Like I didn't get all my concussions in wrestling. Like I got, got concussions before um, playing soccer. I had two or three just playing soccer. Um, one time I fell and smacked my head into the side of the goalpost. Um, one time we were both going up for a header and I got headbutted in the back of the head by a guy behind me. So like I've gotten concussed even before wrestling, you know what I mean? And I think I'm at like 14 at this point now and well, 15 had the ones I got fucking like three weeks ago, right. minor one, but even the minor ones at this point, like what, wow. add up. when I hit my head, it was like, boom, I had that nice white flash and I was really like, Oh God. And for like days, I was like zombified, like a zombie, just like, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's just been years and years and years of, as, as the, the, my one doctor put it, uh, TBIs. Every time I'd fall down and get that white flash, so, you know, no, no big deal. Traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Now, maybe not as traumatic as, you know, John F. Kennedy's head, but <laughs> you know, oh my god! Oh, holy, holy shit! Still the same. I'm still here. Yes. Oh wow! Thank you, Mikey. Yep, still Mikey. Still Mikey. But yeah, so I mean, it's just one of those things, and and she said that the human brain normally. This is a really weird way to put it, but this is the way she put it. Okay, the human brain, right? Takes all the information in your brain and spins it. And your brain knows that when it has a certain task to do, the information gets off. And everything just keeps spinning around like this, very nicely, very calmly. Right? And your brain kind of knows, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. And nice little pattern. Everybody gets off the exit, at the proper exit. Well, she said, my brain at this point is like a fucking snow globe. And all the fucking shits went all over the fucking place. And because I've had traumatic brain injuries, as she puts it, little ones here, a little one there, a little one here, a little here. My brain has adjusted and has learned to work with that, and it works for itself. Now, I struggle, struggle cognitively sometimes, and I don't know what the fuck I'm saying half the time. And people say, you talk fast. I say, well, I talk fast. Because if I talk slow, I forget what the fuck I'm going to say, and I'm like an idiot. So... My brain has accompanied this, and it's all over the fucking place. And when I get taken out of my element, something that I'm used to, or a new experience, or uh, just something happens that just fucking takes me out of my normal routine, my brain doesn't exactly know what to do. It kind of freaks out. 
So it's got all the shit bouncing around. It has no idea where the fucking exit is. So, yeah. So that's it. So she told me that I need to treat my brain like a cherished Christmas ornament for my great-great-great-grandmother. Fair. So, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with my brain. Fair. So, yeah. I was... Uh... I really appreciate you going that in-depthly on that, like... Damn. Like I said, I I just came in and said, ah, fuck it. Yeah, no, that's fine. And like I said, one way or the other, whether you wanted to answer the question or you wanted to say fuck it, I was cool either way. Um, I understand a lot of that. I had speedheads for parents, which is why I'm all jittery and wiry all the time, not eating nothing, and people think I have ADD and ADHD, and I don't. I had speedheads as parents as a baby, and I abuse coffee and marijuana to make my body match my brain, to kind of even kill things. To keep me on a level playing field but you know i've also been hit by a car i'm bipolar that's genetic you know there are several things that i need high dollar medication for instead of buying the medication for it i have friends with weed farms and i get dabs and smoke bud because 20 you know 20 dollar bag of weed thousands of dollars worth of medication you know one allows me to do my job without physical chem- you know chemical dependency so fuck it well, I, I, you know, I have not, I, I guess I've been fortunate, I would say. I haven't had something to that extent, but I know I can speak for everybody when I say that we want nothing but the best for you and for your family. And whenever you feel like it's something you would like to experience again, we definitely would love to hear and see you again, but we also, I think, as a group, understand um, that we need to respect you and respect your privacy and respect whatever steps that you need to take. Yeah. So it's just keeping my shit fucking organized and fucking straight is it's a fucking struggle. Like it's just a, it's a pain in the ass to me. So I would just say, fuck it. I don't care. And I was just going to fucking just become a fucking veg and just do fucking whatever. Go to my doctor, tell him I'm fucking shot. I'm fucking disabled. I'm just fucking whatever. And then just fucking retire. You know, but I get these fucking things where, you know, a case in point, which we laugh about, but we do the podcast, right? Uh, not the podcast, the fucking, uh, the conventions, the meet and greets, right? Mm-hmm. And... Jerry knows how I am. He fucking knows what I'm dealing with and he fucking knows and he knows what I'm about to fucking he, he fucking knows when it's coming. You know what I mean? So he'll hey, you okay? Hey, you okay? I say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then I'll just get up and leave. Like, it just gets too much. I said, I can't fucking deal with this. I just have to leave. And nothing would happen. You know? It's not like anything set me off or just this. I just it's just oh, the noise and the commotion and everything else. It just eventually it just I go fucking crazy and I just need a fucking break and I got to find somewhere quiet. And usually there is nowhere fucking quiet at these fucking things. So what I, what I would do oftentimes, I will bring my headphones and I'll put my headphones in and I will crank black Sabbath or a fucking, uh, ghost has been one. Uh, the sword is something I've gotten into recently. That band out of Texas, they're really good. Um, I just got to put music on and just fucking just chill and just completely, take myself out of the moment 
and then go back in and then pretend everything's fine. Hey, how are you? Good to see you again. Yes, I very bad at small talk. Don't know what the fuck I'm going to say to you. I appreciate you coming to say hello. I appreciate you getting an autograph. I don't mind doing it, but I'm just very bad at talking to people I don't know. Unless, unless it's like this, where I don't know these people, and they're talking in the thing, I'm just talking to you, but everybody else is hearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I remember we had uh, we had a conversation at one point about doing an episode um, about this exact thing, and yeah. I remember you telling me, right place, right time. Right place, right time, we'll do it. And, you know. I guess we could... I, <laughs> we 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 kind of jumped the shark there, but uh, he jumped the shark long ago. This is true. There's a lot of people in the chat that uh, that wish nothing but the best for you, Mikey. Um, I would scrolling through the different comments here, and uh, we love you, Mikey. And you know, you have an incredible amount of support from from everybody who has been a part of this crazy thing now for over two and a half years we've been doing this and uh that's that's the other part i suck at because i don't let people help me i, I was brought i was brought up very old school um i told you this like my uh my my grandfather we uh i was jumping up and down the couch and i was maybe three Three years old, maybe, and I was jumping up and down the couch, and I fell, and I fell off, and I split my. I still got the scar over here. I hit my the corner of my eye on the the coffee table, and of course I started crying. You know what I mean? Bleeding out my eye. I'm three years old. It hurt. Holy fuck! And I was put against the wall, being yelled at, that boys don't cry toughen up or you're going to turn up to be pardon the term just relaying a story here you're going to grow up to be a little faggot so that was the, that was the mentality that i was kind of in you know and you know internalizing everything and just i will i'll figure it out and do it myself so it's very hard for me to open up and say hey i need help with something or share my emotions or everything else and I'm kind of doing it now, but I'm not doing it. But I am. It's kind of weird. I don't know. But that's just how I was brought up. A very, you know, a very, uh, you say the term, a very old school uh, mentality. That's just that's just how it was. You know, just like the 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 boys in the business years ago. You know, they would work hurt, and after being concussed and everything else, and not to say that they're wrong or it was wrong to do it back in the day, but that's just how it was. You know, society was different. You know, I like to think now society is a little more open with people who are struggling with mental issues and uh, drug dependency problems or just whatever they have. Um, I think for the most part, people are a little more understanding, I think. Um, but still, in my head, I'm still. That's just it's just ingrained in me uh, from, you know, being young, that that's how it is. Just like my work ethic is my work ethic is the same way. I work, I work, I work. I'm, I'm salary, and I'm supposed to work 40 hours a week. But I'll be working 50, 60 hours a week, you know, just to get it done, because that's just what I do. I'm not tooting my own horn here, but saying that's just how I, was, that's how I was brought up. That was the work ethic my dad had. I mean, he was not nearly as strict as my grandfather was, or mean, for lack of a better term. But he was very strict, too. 
If you're going to do something, you do it right. If you don't do it right, you're going to do it again. And again, and again, until you get it right. He said, this will happen at home doing chores, um, at school doing your work. If you don't do your work right, you're not going to pass. You're not going to pass. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to do it again. Over and over and over. So that was just ingrained in me. That's how we do things. But that, that's just, just how I am. Character flaw. Yes and no. I applaud the effort. Like, you, you, you gotta fucking applaud the hustle, you know. But it, you're aware you don't let it dominate your life the way they did. You're more, you know, like you said, you're admitting it, not admitting it. You're at least aware. And being aware of something is 90% of the fucking battle and issue. Right. Like, it, like you know something's going on, right? And you know you're struggling. But I'm telling myself, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll get it done. I can do it. I can do it. And I just keep telling myself that until you get to the point where you're so far in the fucking weeds and you're just like, oh, fuck. And then it's like you you uh, finally do get help or whatever. And then you get help. And you then you're like, God damn it. If I had only asked for help sure. at this point, I'd be so much this further ahead of where I am. But you don't think of that. Right. Too late. Because even now, still, if, even after kind of knowing this, I said, well, I'll get it. I can get it. I can get it. I know that this is happening. And I know that this happened last time. And we got to this particular point. But this time I know it's happening. So I know it's not going to happen. And it happens again. And just I just fight with my brain all the time. Like, I'm, I get these thoughts in my head, and that almost becomes reality. Like, this is what it is. And and I, I said to my wife one time, I said, I, t- I tell you, it feels like it feels like I'm fighting a battle in my head that does not exist. But it exists. But it doesn't exist. And then I, then I, I think, I'm a fucking psychotic. No. No, you're not. But, yeah, positivity gives positivity, negativity gives negativity. Closed mouths don't get fed either. If you don't speak, no one knows something's wrong. Right. So, but, but but this has been going on for years. This yeah, is not no, like, I understand. Just like, I, it's an no, no, I know what I mean, but I, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, just in the past fucking six weeks, Mikey's gone fucking yeah, batshit no. crazy. No, no, this no. has been oh, and on, and on, and on, and just like 20 years, 20 plus years of Mikey batshit insanity. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I just and and I'm not I'm not making light of this, but this fucking pandemic has fucking been a, it's made it worse. And I'm not alone in this. I mean, there's fucking people, millions of people everywhere. The whole earth is dealing with this bullshit. You know what I mean? But th- this is not that I want to publicly put over Donald Trump, but when he fucking said the solution cannot be worse than the problem, and they're saying, well, you know, you know, and at first, well, you know the teen suicide is up and this and, and child abuse is up and uh, spousal abuse is up and everything else. I go, okay. Well, yeah. I, I'm telling you. I understand now why suicides are up and all this is up. Because it's... I know it had to be done, some of it, some of it I think too much. But, yeah. It, it definitely did do some damage. I can tell you for a fact. It's fucking fuck with me. You know, so, but yeah, you know, it is fucking what it is. Hopefully, we're right at the end of this fucking thing, and 
a few more months or at least we have a light at the end of the tunnel now and we can start to do things a little bit more normal. So, yeah, it's that's what I need. Because this, this whole, like, staying home thing and, and everything else is fucking crazy. Like, I get very antsy. Like, it's just, I get really like, okay, I need to do something. Like, it's one of the things where, like, I hate when I have to leave. Right? But then I hate when I have to stay home all the time. You hate being denied the option. You want the option yes. to say no. You want the option to go, fuck this, I don't want to go. Yeah, I want to I want to be able to say, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> fucking get it. I get that so fucking. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that that's where I'm at. It's being denied the choice that it's like, no, fuck this. No, you don't tell me what I can and can't fucking do. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we are. I'm just take I'm just taking it all in because there's so much there's this whole topic goes way beyond just wrestling. It goes way beyond oh, what yeah. we do here. Yeah. People Let's say this. thank you. Still kick it just not as hard. You know, I used to throw very aggressive kicks, work kicks in the corner. Now my kicks are that of Orange Cassidy. Eh. <laughs> eh. No fire and pizzazz in those kicks. Just like, eh. still here. Kick my leg every now and then. We try to still get a heartbeat. No, you're still so, here. So since you and Jerry both talk about being, you know, disabledish nowadays, you know, he can't take, he can't give pile drivers and shit anymore. Can y'all just both pop up in an Orange Cassidy match, do a run in, both dressed as older versions of him, and give sloth kicks and shit? No, I'm banned. Why the fuck are you banned from everything? That's a whole. That's a whole nother story. I want that story at some point. I want that I'm, fucking story at some point. Are we? Are we talking about the convention itself? No, no, Buck, no. Oh, okay. I want to know about that too, Damon. I've, there's several topics on the podcast that y'all have like grazed over that I, I over the last year. I'm like, I have so many questions about. See, here's the thing with 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 this is. This would directly affect Jerry if I went off on a fucking t- if I went off and kind of just said, "Here's the fucking deal." You know what I mean? This is oh, but I so I just won't I, because I love my friend. I'm not going to do it. Of course. So I joke about it, and he knows he's like, "Oh God!" And I know he gets nervous every time I bring it up because <laughs> Mikey loses. It goes off. It just fucking blows open the fucking the, the, the floodgates of facts. But I don't. And I never will. All right. But one day, one day somebody will get theirs. And there's no doubt about it. There's a cliffhanger for you. There's a teaser. Can whenever this happens, you just pop up on an episode and be like, finally! I'll put it this way. If I ever get some sort of news that I have some sort of terminal disease, that's it. Okay. That's it. Okay. I'll accept wow. Folks, let's hope that that doesn't happen. Um, Order Entertain says, uh, wants to know if if you've ever considered writing a book. No, fuck that. I'd read it. Nobody uh, believe it. I'd read it. You have more credibility than Hogan. Yeah. They don't believe his either. I don't think they believe a word he says ever, period. But I think 
you I'm thinking maybe I'll write my maybe I'll write a book, but I'll make a book about myself, but I'll put it in the fiction department. This way, people go, oh, that really fucking happened or not? Like, how much reality is he putting in here? But I just, I don't know. I, I just never. It'd be a Hunter Thompson book. Huh? Hunter Thompson, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes. The, the way he writes shit like that, like, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very fucked up. Yeah. I'd read it. Fucking read it, man. Just saying. There's one sale, that's 38 cents. Like Right. <laughs> More we get on the t-shirts. If you sell me the manuscript itself, I'll give you a hundred bucks straight to you, and then I can deal with the figuring out how to publish it through Amazon. Now, did you see that? A hundred bucks. Fucking hell. Starting point. Hey, no, recycle it back. Use it. I deal with the publishing, and then give it right back to you because I don't want to deal with the hassle of having to keep track of all of that. I just want to help you get it done. You think I can get you keep track of anything? <laughs> Angel. Yes, indeed. We appreciate you coming on here and talking with us, Mikey. And even though it's under different circumstances, I will say, um, your your candidness definitely is appreciated. I know people are asking, and I and people are, oh, where's Mikey and Jerry? And I'm saying, well, this is fucked up. Like, I know they want us back, but I'm like, you're out there doing a good job. You know what I mean? So instead of bitching that we're not there, how about saying what a good job Mikey's doing? Mikey's been doing a great job. Not, I've, not to fucking you know, help him toot his horn. I'm trying to hold the fort down here and in uh, in show appreciation to everybody who has supported us and you know give back to what people have given us. So I and I and I definitely read the comments every week in the chat and I know that not the product is not exactly the same and and it won't be. It absolutely won't be. I cannot in any way, shape, or form fill the shoes of what they are. Um, but I can give you the best that I can. So, Man, I, I think you've been doing fine. I mean, you, we left and you got the devil on. So, well, is that all it took? Yeah, he texted he text me at work and said, hey, you want to do it? I said, hey, let's, let's make magic. So That was cool as shit. Yeah. Um, we got some more people who uh, have I have spoken with. They are interested in in popping on, so we'll definitely get a chance to chat with some other people and hear about their experiences, not only in wrestling but in life as well. And uh, yeah, we are going to keep on keeping on. Oh, wonderful! And we will keep we will keep the keys and the gas ready, and I will turn the keys back over whenever you guys are ready. No, you keep the keys. We'll just we'll get in the back seat and drink. <laughs> oh wow. I'm fucking out of here. All right. Enjoy your night. Be good. We love you. And uh thank you for coming on. You're welcome. I just want to fill everybody was asking what's going on because I know they were kind of like questioning it as well. I was going to fucking tell everybody. So don't know when I'll be back all the time. Uh, you know, like I said, it might be one of these things where I just pop up and oh shit, look who's here. Um, you know, it, it I might go weeks without doing anything. My, my own Twitch video games, I just might not do anything. So I don't know. Day by day, that's all. That's, breath by breath. That's all you can do. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. I will uh, talk to you at some point. We'll see you down the road, my friend. There you go. I'll, I'll see you. Bye. Right. Bye. Wow. 
Um, that was a nice surprise. It was a very nice surprise. And yeah, I feel, you know, I knew, obviously I knew more than what of course, I was saying, but out of the privacy, yeah, out of the privacy for the guys, you know, I wanted them to just say, hey, they're taking care of some stuff. Um, and, and I was going to let them address their own issues because like anything, the only person that people deserve to hear from is the person themselves. It's not my place to tell someone's story, but I wanted, um, it feels good to let people know. And, and I think Mikey coming on here, people are starting to, if they haven't already, and I think they have begin to see somebody beyond what the gimmick is and beyond what we see on TV and see him for a person and get to see him and interact with him and hear his voice when he's not on. And I knew things were, were tough. And I knew if you're a friend of somebody and when they say they have to step away for a while, part of you who loves doing it says, man, this sucks. But part of you says, I want what's best for you. And I think if you're a true friend to anybody, you despite that. your own wants, you have to want for them first. So. You just got to accept that. You got to, you know, want them to put their best issue, you know, the best things for themselves first. You have to, you know, while it may not be what's best for you and the activities y'all do together, you got to let that person do what's best for them. Yes. And I do also appreciate you sharing your personal stories as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's very difficult to come out and say something because no matter how much is accepted now in society that these things do happen, there's still a part of you. There's a little part of you who says, I bet you there's some bastards out there or some pricks out there who are going to judge me. And you know what? Screw them if they're going to judge somebody for that. No one, none of us have control over any of this. This is something that has been, you know, dealt to us, and all we can do is deal with it the best we can. So, um, Mikey's comment about being brought up old school. I was brought up similarly. I was brought up, you know, don't cry, don't, etc. But also dealing with the things that I've dealt with, being hit by the car, etc. You know, my mom realizing she was extremely bipolar and making us aware of, hey, here's some things you have to deal with. You know, Mikey reminds me of a couple of my cousins as well as my father. My father got, has traumatic brain issue from being hit by a car on a motorcycle. So... I just, and he is very spastastic and forgetful sometimes, and he drinks beer heavily, so sometimes he's very short and gets very confused and anxiety in situations, and it's like, whoa. So I, I just understand, Mikey. I understand a lot of that. I, it's getting to have these conversations, if I ever get to meet the man, I'll just have a beer with him and literally bullshit with him like I do my friends, the way I do with you, etc. Like, when you see me post videos on Twitter to y'all and shit, that really is me. Like, it's, this is me. You know, no more, no less. I am who I am. I try to just be the best version of me every day. And that's all you can do. I mean, you know, at the it's it's so interesting because, you know, Mikey has mentioned a million times to me in private conversations. You know, I I know people when they tune in, they want to see the, the, the comedy and because he delivers that. And I always try to impress upon him. People come for you. 
And if the comedy happens, so be it, because you're good at it. But they come for you. And we are probably one of the few podcasts. Um, if I can steal a line from Chris Candido, no gimmicks needed. No. We, we, we are who we are. And um, it takes a lot for somebody to come on. I guarantee you, some of the bigger podcasts, I don't necessarily think you're going to hear someone open up personally about something like that. I may be wrong, but I, 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 I don't think that somebody would have the the ability to do that. Um, like that. No. So it's, it's interesting. Mikey was talking about, you know, people going through divorce and people going through all different kinds of life experiences and reaching out to him and hitting up with DMs. Me, who is in this trio, you know, not known. And Mikey and Jerry are the names and absolutely, and I support the hell out of them. But I've actually had people, and I didn't even think this was possible because I'm just – I'm the third wheel, okay? It's like there's a date that's going on in the front seat, and then you got me in the back. So um, parent driving teenagers? Yes, absolutely. Um, or I'm the fat chick who's hanging out with the couple in the front. So, But I've had literally somebody tell me that they were driving their – I believe it was their father to cancer treatments. And he would listen to kind of lift his spirits. Holy shit. Yeah. There there are things I have heard from people through DMs that make me realize that what we do and the power we have is incredible and you need to appreciate that. And um yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to get all hallmark or anything, but I mean there's I, I've shown my my uh DMs to Megan and I've said, Can you believe this? I mean, it hits you hard. But then you realize that, that people are out there, they're good people, and they need something to turn to. And if that's if, – if we're what they want, then you know what? By all means, I'm going to be there for them. So. Well, this show has definitely helped me a lot over the last year because I I found this show shortly after coronavirus started last year in which my, my job changed hours, but I never – my girlfriend lost her job. She got laid off. I still went to work every day. So – this show and then being able to interact with this show became a very positive part of my week each week and how I, you know, listen to other wrestling podcasts and stuff. But this one is the one that I'm the most involved in because it's the most fun and y'all are the most interactive in return. So this is what I look forward to each week, especially now that it's live on Tuesdays and I have a, it's my day off so I can actually get up and enjoy it. I'm like, Ugh! You know, I get on here for two hours before I do music work, chores around the house, take care of the dogs and the cat. You know, it's I do this right after my girlfriend goes to work and get on here and hang out with y'all for a while before I do whatever else needs to be done. So, you know, do things for you, do things for it. And it just it's cool because it, it helps me in other ways because the videography thing is just kind of something I do because I know I have to put visuals with music so, and I did high school announcement editing when I was in high school. So I dabbled in that like a decade ago, but now I'm just slowly doing it again because I'm like, have to, need to. So and I appreciate all the work y'all give me actually just because it's fun. It makes use of my brain and creativity and things I like to do because sometimes y'all give me no idea other than here's, here's the idea we have, do what you do. And I'm like, okay. And then other times, I'm like, I have no clue how to fucking do this one. <laughs> well, the, the beauty of, of working with you, and, and guys, 
I kind of talked about it before Mikey came on, but I, what I really want to tell you all is the gentleman you're looking on the screen, not the fat one with the beard, the good looking slender man. He is very talented and I want to put you over because you have done things not only for this show, videos, music packages, all different kinds of things. You've supported the show. And if it comes to somebody from a creative perspective that you need work, you need something done. I highly recommend you reaching out to him. He has a wealth of knowledge. He's got an amazing personality and he's got the skills and the talent. I literally text messaged him needing an intro and it was done within an hour. I'm telling you, it's sick. I've worked with people in the podcast industry and I've worked with people in video and yeah, they may be creative, but they are not willing to go that extra mile. Anton is very much willing to go that extra mile. So follow him on Instagram. I highly recommend that. Follow him on Twitter. And if you have projects that you need, reach out to him. I cannot endorse him enough. And he's even taken time to come on the show as well and work with us. So my friend, my hat is off to you. And uh, thank, you. No. thank you for everything you've done so far. Um. We're going to have a couple different guests coming on tonight. I am still in talks uh, with a couple different people. I believe next week is going to be something you all are going to want to be here for. Trust me. Uh, when I teased the devil, uh, that was no joke. And next week is going to be no joke either. This is going to be an episode you are not going to want to miss. An incredible interview. I promise you. I will put my podcasting career on the line right now. If I if this guest comes on and I, I do not deliver and give the audience what they want, you can completely blame me. Because if this actually happens, and I guarantee, I feel 99.99% sure, it is going to be a great interview. It's going to be an emotional interview. And I think it's going to leave everybody with a very strong impression. So I know I just uh, built the hell out of it. And uh, goodness willing, everything works out fine. And I know schedules happen. They change. Um I was actually talking to a couple different indie wrestlers that I want to bring on. I want to bring a voice to people who are living their dream as well. People who are out there busting their ass, hoping to get a shot one time at maybe a tryout at the WWE facility or maybe NXT or maybe AAW in, in Chicago or whatever promotion they're working for. I want to spotlight them because at the end of the day, everybody who loves this business as much as I do, I want to bring everybody in together. So more interviews coming up. Um, hopefully we can have some things more with the devil. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Not making any promises, but uh, got, I got some, I got some, uh, some irons in the fire, but, um, but yeah. Uh, Travis, to answer your question though, uh, I started recording like rap some things when I was in high school after I got hit by the car. Buddies, buddies who had a rap group and, teenage drummer in one room in his punk band older brother was a rapper recording rap music in the other room and i hung out with both of them i was friends with both so i started writing raps and got bored and did that for a long while started learning the recording side of things when i was 18 and a little older went to a college locally in the college town that i live in now murray state and met a music business attorney named david ray who was kurt cobain's attorney at the time of his suicide and he's also represented Snoop Dogg, Florida Georgia Line manager. He taught that guy. He's done a lot of things. I followed him from Murray to Portland, Oregon, doing music business mentorship. Ended back up in Kentucky, and he was going to go teach at Full Sail. 
we met up and I was like, I want to learn production. I want to continue to learn, build, do, develop a sound and just continue. And he's like, California or Florida. So I chose LA Recording, which is Full Cell's sister program. I know how to sample. I don't play guitar, but I know how to program guitar and things of that nature. The intro you heard today on the show is a Butch Viggs drum kit VST that I played with and programmed out. And then I did the bass on it and I found a guitar loop that I like and played with it and did the voiceover on it. I know how to mix master. I have other friends who play instruments that I can bring in and get things done when I don't know how to do it or can't get the sound that I'm looking for, looking through things on the internet. But I'm like Beardo's intro. I made that, that uh, I don't want to give away what the guitar sample was because I can get sued for it. But that guitar riff comes from a very popular song that I took the isolated guitar track from pulled out a couple notes and pieces in the riff that I really like, reversed them, and then forwarded them back and forth and made the riff for the Cult of Beardo. And like I said, I'm not going to tell you what the real sample is because I'm not trying to get them or me sued. But yeah, uh, I'm a very ingenuitive punk rock, hip-hop son of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, I do whatever I have to to get the situation done, really and honestly. So... I just went ahead and put his information up here as well. So you guys can go ahead and follow him on social media. Guess what, kids? The fun is just continuing. Uh, we're going to step out for a small, small commercial break. But when we come back, we have some other guests. Yes, the night is not quite over. We're going extra long. It's going to be an extra long edition of Furrow Material. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Is that the guy? Yeah, I guess it is. His name's Raymond. This is an as-is sale. Basically what that means is the last owners left in a rush, and when they did, they left a large portion, if not everything they own here. Okay, but who just moves and leaves all their stuff? I just want you to talk to him tomorrow and have him come over. I don't want to have bad blood with the person who sold us our house. I understand. But I promise tomorrow when I get him from work, I'll call Ray and make sure he just doesn't pop in like he did today, all right? He's just a realtor. I don't want to argue with you, okay? But I know what happened. He's watching me watching us and he knows we don't like it here then why in the hell did he insist on getting us in this house we got another one thinks they can leave it's not much time That happens to be the trailer to the uh, the very first film uh, that I have made that was called Buyer's Remorse. I actually have buku copies of it here at the house. Um, so if you do any more short film work, I can yes. score it. That was also uh, one of my classes in school. I was definitely going to say I'm going to have to bring somebody in because I tried to do everything and unfortunately it didn't quite work out. That's why in life you team up with people who know how to do things. And speaking of people who know how to do things, we are joined by the man, Moondog Murray. What's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? Pleasure to be on. If I can, oh. pleasure to be on, excuse me. 
It is good to have you on here. We've been chatting back and forth, and we definitely wanted to set up a time that worked for everybody's schedule. So, um, A, welcome to the show. And um, for everybody who might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about Moondog Murray. So I've been a listener. God, how long has it been? It was before COVID, so uh, I've been a listener for about a year and a half. Uh, COVID hits, and then... uh, Pretty much I realized life's short. You know what I wanted to be as a kid? A wrestler. <laughs> so I started uh, training to be a wrestler, and I made my debut about a month ago. So I've been uh, wrestling for about a month now. That is tremendous. So tell me a little bit about where you went to school for training, how that process was. I went to, it's called the uh, PPW Academy, uh, Premier Pro Wrestling out in uh, Woodstock, Illinois. Um, it's which Woodstock's about like an hour and a half from Chicago, uh, and such for people who want to know it's in the middle of nowhere, kind of, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, hosted by rock and Randy. Although he was, he was a, uh, enhancement guy in the WWE as uh, Jerry Fox. Okay. Uh, you, you could find him. You can find matches of his, like he wrestled triple H when he first debuted, or he was one of Triple H's first guys. Uh, he wrestled Mankind, Psycho Sid, um, Bam Bam Bigelow. He also worked in TNA as a producer, Ring of Honor as a producer. This I call him the best kept, kept secret in wrestling, honestly. So pretty much it was just a simple Google search, wrestling schools, and that was like the first thing that came up. Gave him a whirl. I was... God, I had to have been 272 pounds. Hit, never done a sport in my life. Just, I went, I, I went in there, and then it was like the worst day ever, the worst first day, of course. Then like it took me a week to heal, and then after that, I just hit the gym hard, kept going to class. It's three days a week, so now I'm 215 pounds. <laughs> You look, fan- I, I can, you look fantastic, by the way. Yeah, I can move fast, too. And uh, freaking now all these shirts don't fit. This shirt doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> this is a 3X. I got a – this is like a blanket on me. Wow. So you, you just recently debuted about a month ago. So how does it feel now being post uh, your, your initial training and now actually getting in the ring? How does that feel? Is it almost kind of like – wow, I can't believe this is actually coming to fruition. Yeah, it's crazy. Because, uh, like, of course, I'm not, I don't, I, I have big goals, but, like, smaller goals is something I'm more, I'd like to be real. And uh, when I first started, I was like, okay, let's have a match and see how it goes. Had a match. Okay, let's wrestle. For, let's wrestle another match. Just like the, just like these simple goals. I don't think people realize being uh, newer uh, the nerves that go into wrestling a match because now it's not now it's not practice it's not practice matches in front of your peers now you're actually wrestling in front of people and you want it to go as well as you can while at the same time being newer and not really knowing what you're doing <laughs> in a way uh, you just that's where you trust your rest, your fellow wrestler and such uh, I kind of rambled there but. I hope I answered the question, uh, oh, whichever you, it was. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me about that uh, that first match. What was that like? Did it go the way you had hoped it would go, or did it exceed expectation? Um, 
my first Moondog match, it was a... So I, I gotta describe this match. So it's called the an Armageddon match. It's a gauntlet lumberjack match. So there's like 15 people around the ring, and uh, two people start, and uh, two people start, and uh, pretty much this match is like usually goes like an hour and a half. That sort of deal because it's like 15 people. So it's like eight <laughs> minutes per match. It's like an eight minute, eight and a half minute average for each participant. Uh, for each match in a way i went on the third match and for what it was it was fine and i was pretty happy with it and then now i just have to, and after i got eliminated now i just have to be a lumberjack for the next hour hour and a half or <laughs> just kind of keeping character and such that's that's tremendous i mean it's one of those situations where you know no matter how much preparation you have nothing probably completely prepares you for the moment you step through those ropes. And now it is you. And I give you a tremendous amount of credit. I think, you know, your mindset of you only go around once and you know what, why am I wasting time? I'm going to go after what I want. Do you have any idea how many people have so many regrets that they take with them until their old age and you defeated that at such an early age and you're able to do it. And, uh, that's an awesome story because I can honestly say there's a lot of things that I didn't have the balls to do and, and you did. And I mean, that's just fact. So kudos to you, my friend and uh, awesome with, with getting into shape. You, like I said, you look great. And uh, when is the next, when is the next match? This Saturday in uh, Woodstock, Illinois, uh, we have, it's a big, uh, not pay-per-view, but like big special supercard uh, we're putting on called uh, reckoning. Nice. And, uh, I'm going to be in a, I'm going to be in a four corners eight way match. So okay. uh, every man for themselves it's elimination. Uh, so it's like it's like a four corners match, but it's instead of it being a tag, yeah, you tag in and out, but it's, it's singles pretty much. And then whoever's the last one to survive wins the contest. So we got a couple of questions here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, one of our listeners says, "Are you a heel or are you a face?" Face and I love it. I never thought I'd love being a good guy so much till all, all it takes is like getting the crowd behind you. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but kids love me too. I love it. You got that great smile though. You just look like you're a happy person. You know what I mean? Like I know as a wrestler, you probably don't want to be known as the happy wrestler, but like you just have you have a great look, A, and B, you're just a very positive person. So I think that I think that's awesome that you're a face and um Yeah. That's very cool. Very yeah, cool. I try. Yeah, I mean, look at me. What you want? I, I'm just out there living a dream in a way. Even if it crashes and burns in like a, a year and a half, I got to try it. You know, <laughs> I got to like, try it for sure. You know, like I said before, there are so many people that will say, "Shoulda, woulda, coulda," but you yeah. did, and you can look back and you can say, "You know what? I checked it off my list, and I don't have to worry about that when I go to sleep at night because I definitely did it." So. Exactly. Awesome. I want you to hang around here. I uh, I got somebody else here in the pipeline who's yeah. going to join in the conversation. He's uh, you know, on Howard Stern, you have God. This is going to be terrible for me to say this. Hank, the angry drunken dwarf. Well, he's not a dwarf. Uh, he's not really angry, but sometimes he enjoys his beverages. He is the man with dial-up, and he is joining us right now from Canada. There he is. It's a Christopher Butt. Christopher oh, Butt. How are you? 
We are fantastic. Welcome to the shit show that we call Front Row Material. If it wasn't a shit show, I wouldn't follow. This is true. There's a lot to be said for this uh, for this craziness. Um, Gosh, Beardo is going to absolutely destroy me because, A, I need to play a commercial for the cult of Beardo. And second of all, uh, what else did he send me? There's another video I'm supposed to play where our good buddies at Shining Wizards. And this is why I need somebody in the truck because, damn it, I don't know what the shit I'm doing. Um, I can't load up this video for the commercial, so I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to try to find out what the hell is going on with this. Um, but it is good to see you, Mr. Bud. What's, uh, how's life treating you, my friend? Things are good. I uh, was out for dinner tonight with a couple of my buddies for my birthday, so that was nice. Happy birthday. Whoa. Thank happy you. birthday to you. I turned 42 last week, so that was nice. Your beard looks fantastic, by the way. Moondog, your beard is on spot. Thank that you. is a nice beard. That is really cool. That looks like uh, who? Who could I say has a beard like that? Um, hmm. Mister, what was he known as? Redbeard? Eric Rowan. Oh, Eric, Eric Rowan. Rowan? Yeah. Ah, Eric Rowan. Very nice. This is pretty huge. solid. Yeah, but yours is still it's still on there, my friend. Anton just looks like hardcore. He just looks like he'll just slit your throat. I mean, he yeah. <laughs> I look like Santa's fat nephew. So, <laughs> so we talked about so many different things today. So I want to kind of go around the horn, and, and I want to kind of focus also on Moondog here. What uh, what got you into wrestling? Was there a specific uh, match that you saw? Was there a, a genre? Was it the Attitude Era? What was it actually, Moondog, that kind of pulled you in the very first time? I was 10 years old. It was 2008. My dad was flipping through channels. He landed on sci-fi. And it was Tommy Dreamer versus Jack Swagger in an Extreme Rules match on ECW. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I've been hooked ever since. Very, very cool. Very cool. So <laughs> it, it's an ECW connection right here. Exactly. Nice. Uh, weird ECW, but it's ECW. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that on on prior episodes how the wwe's incarnation uh of ecw was not really a success um i think we could all agree that the uh what was the what was the character that came out that just everybody just thought it it was just like what the zombie guy oh oh sandman and welcome to the rebirth and Sandman came the hell out of him, and it was it was real. It was damn real. I went to oh. one of the house shows for that era of ECW in yes. Jackson, Tennessee, and I got to sit next to the entranceway. Big Show was involved. Sandman did his entrance in front of me. Balls Mahoney punched me in my hand, and I thought he broke my hand. And years later, I did get to meet Balls, but I actually did get to see a house show of that really it, it was what it was, um, but seeing Sabu versus Big Show in an Extreme Rules match was fun. You know, it wasn't really CW, but considering I was 13 years old and I had grown up as, you know, with the TNN version of ECW when I was six, watching that on the weekends and being excited about that, it was nice to actually get to experience ECW for what it was. So, but wrestling in my family is literally my entire life. My uncle used to be wow. 
Missouri Civic Center to go see Leaping Lanny Poffo and Macho Man Randy Savage before he was Macho Macho. Every right. When his dad did the outlaw promotion through Kentucky. Right. They used to go see them every weekend when my mom was a child. And then my mom got me into wrestling when I was a small child from like 98 until 01. We ate pizza every Monday as a family. And that was the only time I was allowed to stay up late was to watch wrestling. And wow. This wrestling and music, man. Wrestling and music. <laughs> it's it's crazy how wrestling brings people together. Um, I don't know if if either one of you guys got to see Mikey, who was on earlier in segment two. I did. I, I missed was, most of it. It was emotional for sure. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to capture some of your thoughts on that one, Moon Dog. What was your thoughts and um. Do you know anybody who who may you know have had issues or struggles with something like that before, and and the impact of someone being able to come forward and talk about that? Uh, that'd be me. <laughs> that's why I relate to Mikey so well, and that's another reason that hooked me on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the nerves of being so early on in wrestling, and now you're wrestling, and then you also have a, you have to also attribute outside life and just nerves in general and anxiety it's hard you know so to fight they I've been, i i have talked to people about it and they said event you will eventually grow out of it it'll not maybe not grow out of it but get a little better at you know not being so nervous not being so anxious but it's hard because like i mean shoot the past few days have been a little, a little but you know we're here. We're alive. That's all that matters. That's why I tell myself anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's the only way you can live your life is just to say, you know what? I'm going to take it one step at a time. I'm going to take life one day at a time. And that's all you can do. So for people who are just joining us, Mikey actually joined us in our second segment and was very candid um, about his uh, sabbatical. Uh, which is is the phrase that's been used, and uh, I, I've kind of just kind of gone along with with that. And a lot of people have sent me DMs and asked me, "Hey, what's really going on?" And I said, it, "It's not my place to say." And, and Mikey put some stuff out on social media and said he's going to take a a sabbatical from the show and take care of the things that he needs to take care of. And and I completely respect that. So if you missed that segment, I definitely recommend that you go back and when the replay happens with this. Watch that. Uh, the podcast is going to be dropping on Friday as well. So you'll be able to listen to it as well. Really an amazing interview slash shoot because Mikey was very real. And I think the one thing we can always say about Mikey is, as he said in ECW, we don't lie to the fans. We don't lie to our listeners. So we are going to be basically, you know, putting it all out there. And uh, I give him a ton of credit. A ton of credit. So it's uh, it's been a unique last three weeks, but we do appreciate the the carousel of co-hosts that have taken time to join me, uh, like Anton has, like uh, the fish has, um, you know, and, and you guys. And I'm hoping that I can uh, kind of steal you guys away again if you guys would want to uh, to join me again. Oh, for sure. Be yeah. Here anytime you know anytime. So. As we are in the uh, the thawing period here in the United States, uh, Mr. Butt, what's it like up in Canada? Are you still uh, hanging out with Rudolph and his reindeer, or is uh, spring Holy on its way? Shit, it's colder than a motherfucker. 
God, I love Christopher Butt. This is just, oh, I love it. It was minus 24 this morning when I got aboard my truck. That's horseshit. I'm too damn cold. Fuck your weather. Fuck your weather, That's my ridiculous. friend. ridiculous. Like, we don't have much snow. We've done fairly well for that. But minus 24, that's Celsius, so that's like cold as fuck. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> I love his cold. conversion rate right here, guys. That's in Celsius. Fahrenheit? And I don't like it. Cold as fuck. It's 11.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Thank a you. Negative 11.2, like I googled it. No. Fuck it's go. hot. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. I don't. I don't like it. I just, I don't, it I don't it's like no it damn good. So, Travis Boham asks. Uh, he wants to know where you're at, Christopher. What? So exactly, what part of Canada are you in? I'm in Kingston, Ontario. Kingston, Ontario. So for all of us who aren't geography majors, where is Kingston, Ontario? And when I'm, I say all of us, I mean me. <laughs> I'm two and a half hours east of Toronto, two hours south of Ottawa three hours west of Montreal. I'm kind of along the New York state border, not far from Watertown, actually. Yeah, I'm in a pretty good location for everything. I mean, within three hours, I can be the three major cities. From Louisville, Kentucky, three hours from Memphis, Tennessee, two hours from Nashville, Tennessee, and three hours from St. Louis, Missouri. How far are you away from Cincinnati? Uh, I think eight hours. I know Columbus is like eight or nine hours because I went to ICP's gathering festival when it was in Thornville. The few years it was nice. there, I went when I was, you know, in my early 20s. So, and I think that was a nine hour trip for me and my friends. So, not further from you, but not far from like Jerry and other shit, really. That's why right. when I, you know, y'all mentioned live shows, I'm like, as long as it's within like, you know, a fairly specific geographical area. I'm in a great place to do pedal tours because everything's a three hour loop. Really? We so. actually considered reaching out to the blue meanie. And uh, I believe there's a bar that he goes to. Um, oh my God. Oh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm brain farting on the name of this bar, but. Uh, um, oh, it's not touchers, touchers. Something it's, like that. Perchers. Huskers. No, no. Uh, McCuskers, McCuskers. McCuskers. Look at this. This is why we have the best goddamn listeners ever. Good job. Somebody jumps in here and answers our questions. Travis Boham, this is for you, my friend. Um, how I know where Woodstock is is thanks to meeting people from that festival. I met no, yeah, yeah. So, the people come from all over the world for that festival. I've met people from Finland, people from Australia, people from Canada, like literally juggalos or some deep shit. I don't oh, really yeah. associate that scene much anymore, but it kept me out of trouble and it allowed me to do some cool networking, music, and wrestling shit. So, what's a juggalo? Uh, yeah, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Our, our so good friend, our good friend from the North Pole would like to know what a juggalo is. Or are you actually asking a question? Because there's yeah, there's what the hell is that? Man? It, so a juggalo is basically ICP fans. It's ICP's equivalent to Kiss fans, the Kiss Army. That's basically it's modern day deadheads in so many ways. That's the best way I can put it to you. It's the dedicated fans of the Insane Clown Posse and their former label base and network of musicians that they used to have and put on. And that's the best way I can put it to you. They also have a song called "What Is a Juggalo." 
in which they make a reference that uh, he's somebody who'd sabu your mama through a coffee table. Yeah, a trunk full, a uh, trunk full of fago, car full of fat chicks. Yeah, that's, uh, they, they're wrestling. You know, they are wrestling fans themselves, and they mentioned that in their music but they also do have a song called what is a juggalo so that's why when you made that comment i'm like okay so i have to i have to weigh this out are you are you kayfabing me and fucking with me or are you are you legitimately asking <laughs> i can answer well, i wear a plaid drive a pickup truck and drink whiskey hey well, icp is well. not something i followed no disrespect no hey, i'm a country I, boy i like I like their protégés, Twisted, much better than I like them at this point. Twisted has continued to grow and evolve with me, as now I am almost a 30-year-old person, and their dude's almost in their 50s, and I haven't listened to a new clown record in, like, a decade, because the couple times I've tried, I'm like, stop. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Y'all are recycling material, and the you from 20 years ago would beat your ass now. So. <laughs> so, I, I do want to Yes, throw Liam, a- I do. I, well, I, here's I, another one for you. Speaking of, I just want to let everybody know uh, who I've been in contact with. I've been in contact with our good friends over at Buzzballs. Buzzballs. Yes, yeah. we are talking to Buzzballs right now. Guys, I can tell you right now, if you are interested in having a incredible drink, you want a little mixed drink, you want a little fun, then you need to get yourself some Buzzballs, okay? Here's what you're going to do. Just going over to buzzballs.com. I've gone there multiple times myself. It's so easy to find a location near you. They have a little area, a little box right here where you can type in where you're at. And then it will then give you a distributor or a store that actually has the product near you. Yeah, it's just that easy. I go on here. It asks me what my birth date is to make sure that I'm drinking responsibly. I put it in here. And yeah, old as fuck. That's the exact age that I am right now. Let's see. So I put that in there and then I go and I put my my uh, zip code and I'm able to find people that sell the product in my area. It is so simple, so easy. And in fact, it's not just that, but I'll actually find out what product they actually have on their shelf right now. So go to buzzballs.com. Um, we are going to be working, hopefully, very soon with them. They got the hazelnut latte, the lata colada. They got the peach balls. Uh, so many different things. And the great thing about when you go to buzzballs.com is once you go in, you can actually click on the drink itself. It'll give you all the info in it. And then if you'd like to leave a review, you can. So go to buzzballs.com. Like I said, I'm going to be telling you more about them in the days and weeks to come but a phenomenal drink and uh hopefully we will be teaming up very very soon i may i may need to reach out to my good video producer to go ahead and maybe put something kind of funny kind of comical with buzz balls do you think i can uh twist your arm mr Hyden? yeah i need to contact a couple of people to help me video this because i'll probably do some drunk shenanigans we need to see where we can buy these and- if you need quality control I'm that guy. Taste that guy. We're going to have to ship some up to Canada. Uh, Moondog, let me ask you this question. You ever had any buzz balls? No, but I've been buzzed. My my balls have been buzzed. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about Manscaped or did we have a CSI Alabama incident? CSI Alabama? Wow. No. (laughs) I got Georgian in me, but not that. No. Wow. (laughs) Damn. 
Let's just say I still got wow. the Coke Zero God, cans it, you guys. This is all over the place. <laughs> so, so, Jesus uh, Christ. Christopher, what are you drinking tonight? What's your drink of choice? Uh, tonight it's uh, Diet Coke and whiskey. Nice, Diet Coke and whiskey. What did you say you're uh, drinking over there, Moondog? Oh, well, I'm just drinking water, but the other day I was drinking Coke Zero and uh, Bacardi. Ooh, I like that. I'm Anton, what's, what's, your, uh, what's your choice of poison? I'm currently drinking coffee and doing dabs, uh, but I have some moonshine downstairs, some lemonade moonshine and some apple moonshine that was, like, legit made in the fucking woods. Moonshine, moonshine. <laughs> That's what I want. Legitimately made in the woods. <laughs> that needs to be a commercial. You know what? Our shit's so good, it's got leaves in it. Oh, my gosh. No, it, doesn't, it, it does not have Twigs. leaves. One of uh, Apple cinnamon does have some cinnamon sticks in it. And See, I'm telling you guys, this really Buzzballs things is the legit. Tequila Rita. I, I think I would try the chocolate one over the fucking tequila one. I think we all need to have a night where we all try Buzzballs live on the air. I mean, and everybody in the chat drinks Buzzballs. What is everybody I'm drinking? Need somebody in the chat? to ship something to me. Freeland, we'll, uh, we'll DM later. Yes. You to see if you can ship some up to me. I'm going to have to ship some up to you because you, and my I'll friend. I'll drink them. <laughs> you you know have that. done something amazing for me. So I tell you what, I'm going to pull know. myself off here. Pull so yourself I'm off. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to pull myself off here for a second. I want you two to continue the conversation. I have to get something. I don't know where oh, Anton went. God. He just up and left. So he's pulling you two, himself off too. <laughs> at least he's leaving the room. Continue. I'll be right back. I love his little run too. <laughs> Oh yeah, and we're gone. So so back to the button moon dog show. Moon dog butt, the moon butt. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Be worse. Right. I was about to say that's some uh <laughs> that's some trust to put into to uh to your guests. Hey, keep talking for us. <laughs> uh, I've had to carry this show before, it's not that bad. There you go. All right. Yeah. I've done it before too. I mean, I do streams and podcasts, so something that abnormal. So, where exactly are you? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I live in Belvedere, Illinois, which is like like a ten minutes from Rockford, which is an hour and a half from Chicago. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. All right. You should hit yeah. up some Milwaukee wrestling then as well, since yep. you are not that far up that way. I'm pretty good with geography. I've lived in Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, and Oregon. And yeah, you've been all over the horn then. Good. <laughs> uh -huh. My mom was a fucking gypsy when I was young, man. So my mom prepared me for wanting to be a musician well before I knew I wanted to be a musician. <laughs> <laughs> and But before I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to be a wrestler till I got hit by a car and fucked up my knee. And I was like, what's the next best thing? What involves telling stories, cutting promos, and being creative? Music. Uh, yeah. I, and I, also, I have several <laughs> friends who are independent wrestlers in Arkansas, Texas, Philly. I can help point you in people's directions. And I also will make music for independent wrestlers because I know how important music is oh, yeah. to a wrestling character. Hit me up on Twitter. Sorry, got the cheap plug. Had to no, do it. No, absolutely. And we're gonna we're gonna be plugging Moondog Murray where you can find him, um, the big event that's gonna be happening and your social media stuff as well, because you are a part of the front row material family, my friend. So uh, whether or not you're already in. So 
you're you're bringing the casserole to Thanksgiving, okay? Yes. <laughs> um, I did want to also say this that I got a package in the mail, and and man, it made me smile, and it really. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold these up. I I put these on social media, and the images did not give them justice. But I have. Let me see if I get a good thing here. Oh, that's awesome. I have front row material coaster. Okay. So that's an FRM coaster. Okay. It's got the little feet on the bottom. I don't know if you can see that. This thing is awesome. I then got a you will be humbled, uh, a, <laughs> a Mikey phrase that he uses, which is awesome. I then got the cult of Beardo. I have the cult of Beardo which is once again, awesome. And then I got one of the early stories that Mikey told about Cactus Jack. And Mikey, you know what ECW stands for? Extra crispy wings. So I got these from my dear friend in Canada. I cannot thank you enough for making this happen. So I will make sure Buzz Balls happens for you. Um, So tell us a little bit about how these all came about because I know I'm not the only one who owns copies of these yeah there's a five sets um i was bored uh, with the whole covid thing just trying to to learn new skills and, and i've always been fairly handy i have a little bit of a wood shop in my basement and i decided to try this whole epoxy thing you see the videos online making the epoxy tables and all that stuff. I want to start small. I made some coasters. Uh, I had no idea how to do the pictures because you need a computer. And we all know I'm not technologically literate, so my wife took care of that part. And I just made some coasters just on a whim for some fun just to see what happened. I made a couple for myself. They were kind of cool, so I did a, a setup for for Freeland, uh, Beardo, Lorette, Jerry, and Mikey, the, the, the five hosts of the, of the, the pods. And, and I got a hold of Lorette, and I shipped them down. And that was about it. It was just kind of something to do to learn a new skill, occupy some time, have some fun. They're kind of kind of funny. They're, they're neat. I mean, I'm, I use my cult of Beardo one fairly often, and that's about it. I can tell you that I've I've shown these to family members and they're like, "Are you serious? Like, how did you get that done?" And I said, "We got a guy." So, you know what I mean. And and this FRM one, this may be something I actually put on the wall. Like, I I don't want to mess this up. This is so cool. It's almost like it's a little trophy in itself. Um, man, I am grateful. Oh, you got your beardo one right there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, I've only got two posters myself. I don't even have a set. Oh, wow. Because I screwed some of them up. Damn. Right? So, yeah, that's it was just something, a little bit of fun. You know, spread a little bit of love around. Show some so appreciation. You your epoxy table not going to plan. Well, well you tell me about uh, that. So what's uh, going on with the epoxy table? It's I garbage. I got irritated and I took a fucking saw to it, and that was that. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold <laughs> I on. I knew that part. He's like, I feel I failed, so I'm just you know. And I so told you, him, no, okay. you failed. You learned in the right direction. 
He took yeah. he, he made an epoxy coffee table and and then you got upset and you decided to take a hacksaw to it or what? I didn't I wouldn't take a hacksaw to it. That's foolish. I took a skill saw to it. <laughs> hacksaw is way too much work. Well, I'm just not really quite it didn't work out. Uh, my my um my mold didn't hold up properly. It leaked. It looked like shit. I was irritated with it. I decided I was going to start from scratch. Pumpkin still saw. Cut that some bitch up, and I'm going to do another one. There you go. So, what did the wife say when when she saw that you were working on this big coffee table project? And you're putting all of this um, uh, lacquer, epoxy, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden, how big was this thing to begin with? Are we talking regular coffee table size? It was about uh, about two by four. Okay. Two by four foot. Two feet by four. So so you you pour the stuff in here, right? So Mm -hmm. was there a picture in the coffee table or was it just the the, the cream? It was a live edge wood with a colored epoxy through it. So, like a large version of this. Very large, yep. And then at some point in time, the project goes off the rails. Uh-huh. Christopher Butt then says, what, Story what, of my life. What is, what's the first thing that runs through your mind? Is it this can be salvageable or? Rage. Rage. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of rage. Rage. I love that. Yeah. Rage. And then it was gone. I said, fuck it. Yeah. Sometimes in life, you just got to say, fuck it. Um, I'm not sure, Moondog, if you saw the comment from uh, from Mikey. Yes. I, huge smile. Thank you, Mikey. I really that, appreciate that. That is that is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I want to throw this out to you, Moondog. I know you've been you know, a big wrestling fan, and now you're making the, the dream a reality. Do you have any memorabilia, any wrestling? Are you a collector? Because I see the stuff. In the, I didn't want to be that guy and be like, and be like, hey, I, I'm looking in your room behind you. Like, that's kind of creepy. You know, it's what I right mean? there, though. I know. So, OK, now that the cat's out of the bag, do you have a favorite? I mean, out of your entire collection, is there that one piece that you go? This is the this is the thing. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> nice! Look at that. Because it, it's it's per, it, it's a really genuine message uh, from somebody I look up to. So uh, that's probably my that's because uh, like I'm looking around, looking at all my other stuff. I don't now. It can't top that. Like that's it, like I said. If it doesn't work out, this is forever. Like yes. that, <laughs> that that is forever. Yep. That message. So that is, that is tremendous, man. Yeah. So I have a point that I would like to tell you, kind of like I told Mr. Butt when I graduated from LA recording, we had a guy speak to us beforehand and he goes, if you cut 10 projects in a year and the first nine of them, you don't get what you want. They aren't a success, you know, but you learn something from it each time you learn a different strategy. You build upon it each time your production gets better. Your recording gets better, etc. And then you finally get somewhere on that 10th one. Did you ever actually fail? No, you baby stepped, learned in the right direction. And I have told people for years when chasing music and the things I want to do, I'm either going to get what I want or I'm going to have a lot of fucking cool stories and memories to look back upon going, fuck, I'm glad I tried and had fun. And Hell yeah. One way or the other, I'm going to be happy. I'm either going to get what I want 
or I'm going to just be able to be like, well, I fucking tried. I had fun and I fucking tried. So that's just keep pushing, man. Keep. Hell yeah. That's exactly. Mr. Butt, take your fucking table. You can fucking do this. And if you need to. Oh, no, I'm not done yet. I know, but you know, if you need to skill saw another one and just burn it, skill saw it, burn it, go back to the fucking drawing board and do it again. Who would ever. Who would ever think Anton would be the modern day Tony Robbins? I, I so, tell you what. I had a, I had yeah, a we're, we're fucked. In a government class, one <laughs> told my mother that I was a cross between Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern, and he wasn't sure how that was possible. Because I was the anarchist who argued with people in class. I didn't pick a side. I'm like, I don't see it in black and white. You're right. I'm wrong. No, it's varying shades of gray. I want best for my tribe and my fucking people. I don't give a fuck. Everyone's a lying crook in a fucking suit. I've told my entire life criminals look like me, covered in tattoos like my parents, etc. No, 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 no. Those are people who've made bad decisions, made some mistakes, had some problems trying to escape life. That's what that was. Every real crook I have ever met out to do bad looks all prim and proper and wears a fucking suit. That's why I grow a beard like a fucking devil. I have tattoos on my head and I don't give a shit because I'm going to be judged for it either way. So why not? You know, it's funny. You know, people look at me and they think that I'm uneducated, not knowing I graduated college with honors. You know, yeah, it took me six years and three schools and three states to do it, but, you know, I still did it. You know, I'm actually a very intelligent person. I just choose to look like a punk-ass bum because, well, I love grunge and pro wrestling. You know? Hell yeah. Hey, nothing nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we've got one athlete in here, and that's Moondog. You got... uh, you got Santa's helper up there up north. You, you, you got the grunge rocker, and then you got the creepy fat uncle, which is me, holding the fort down. Um, gosh, I better do this. I better, 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 better do this. Uh, guys, we're going to step out for a commercial break before we take it to the close. But there is there is more to come. I'm going to play this commercial. Uh, maybe I won't play the commercial. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my God! I was gonna play the commercial. No, I can't play it. Play the, play the goddamn commercial. I need another drink. All right, you guys get some drinks. I'm gonna play this commercial. It's a funny commercial. You all like it. Don't go anywhere. More for own material when we return. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. sexy for my shirt too sexy for my shirt so sexy it hurts and I'm too sexy for Milan too sexy for Milan New York and Japan take it and I'm too sexy for your party too sexy for your party no way I am disco dancing I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on the cowboy. Yeah, on the cowboy, on the cowboy. Yeah, I do my little turn on the cowboy.
for my hat? Too sexy for my hat? What do you think about that? Hogan! I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the cowboy. Yeah, on the cowboy. On the cowboy. Yeah, I do my little turn on the Okay, uh, we are back here for the the go home portion of the show. Did anybody have any issue with that uh, with that video playing? Did anything happen in the middle of that? No, I heard uh, ad play. Okay, you know what? That was me. I was trying to do something, and yep, sure as shit didn't work. Uh, let me see if I can uh, if I can do this really quick. By the way. The Cult of Beardo, please go ahead and check them out. they got a big show coming up this week. Uh, the Rit and Christopher Butt. Uh, the Rit and Big Daddy Beardo. And oh, are you going to be joining one. them, Christopher? Are you going to join them this week? In typical FRM fashion, I don't know I'm going to be on any shows till it starts or two minutes before. This is true. This is why a lot of people, they, hey, keep your phone next to you. Because yeah. we're, we get pro wrestlers on the show like Moondog Murray, who had no idea. He's like, hey, have me on sometime. Here I am, just literally texting him out of the blue, like, you have nothing going on. Please come on the show. So thank you for being gracious and carving out some time and, and dealing with my uh, my level of uh, poor planning. Uh, I also want to thank Anton, uh, who has done an amazing job, as always, this week, you guys. I cannot stress it enough. Please reach out to him on social media. Follow him on Twitter, and I believe he's on Instagram as well. Um, he is your video guy, so I'm going to throw his information up here, and you can see it right now. Follow him right there on Twitter. DM him. Send him some messages if you have some projects that you are interested in. All right, he's your go-to guy, Moondog Murray. Hit him up right at the bottom of the screen, right down there. I've always wanted to do that. Right down there. Moondog Murray on Twitter. We're definitely going to continue to promote where you are going to be at. Um, I also know some people at AAW, um, which uh, Trent Zaberry and the Chicago-based promotion. Are you familiar with them, my friend? Yeah. Very, Very cool. Very cool. Great promotion. Um, Danny Daniels actually runs that former ECW guy. So very, very cool. Um, Let's go to the plugs first. We're going to first throw it down to, uh, or I should say up to Christopher Butt in Canada. Christopher, what do you want to plug? What do you want to talk about? Anything you want to share with uh, with the audience? I have really nothing to plug. Um, 
just thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I wish I had missed the first half of the show or a little bit better. I would love to hear what Mikey had to say, everything he had to say. Um, realistically, what matters these days, guys, is everybody stay safe. You know, look after one another. Reach out to your friends, your family. You don't know what everybody's going through. Everybody's got shit happening these days. This COVID clusterfuck is dragging everybody down and everything else. Just look out for your brothers, you know, sisters, friends, family. Send a message every once in a while. Let somebody know you love them. And that's about it. God bless. Could not have said it any better, my friend. You are a very dear friend of the show and very, very wise words. We're going to throw it over to Anton. What do you got to say? What's your plugs? What's your out? Take us. No plugs, really. Hit me up if you need something. Fair pricing. You know, if not, just doing it because I like to fucking do it, to be real honest. Um, I'm going to invest in video things soon to go with better quality things of that nature and do a little bit of animation learning so I can help y'all do some different interesting shit. Um, I'll wrap me. I don't really need anything. Thanks for having me as always. I really enjoyed Mikey's in-depth perspective because that's not what I expected to hear today. That was loads of fun. And I love how, you know, behind the curtain he was. He, you know, just that was fantastic. That was way more than I expected to hear or see this week. So that was grand. Thank you as always. Anytime you need me, just reach out. You know, I'll gladly hop on and I will figure out something to do with the buzz balls thing. Give me a minute. So, because I'm going to have to film some shit and just cultivate some ideas. So, go work in your magic lab, and I know you will make magic. Yeah. Uh, and for our guest this week, Moondog Murray, uh, what do you have to plug? Anything, everything. Uh, can people find you on Instagram? Do you do TikTok, Hopscotch, Left Witch, Right Witch, This Twitch, Left Twix? <laughs> uh, what else is there? Is MySpace still a thing? Probably not. I don't know. But, the floor is yours. Tell people where they can find you, what the deal tales are, and how they can find your promotion. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Moondog Murray, Instagram at Moondog Greg Murray. For some reason, there's already a Murray on there. Um, that, that, cannot... <laughs> that's not right. That's not right. Tell right. him to give it up. Tell him to give it up. We told him. Give Crazy. the damn name up. <laughs> so you could also... Ow, had a cat jump on me. Uh, they got a... You can also find my YouTube channel where I post highlights and uh, hopefully someday full matches. Uh, Moondog Murray. I also have gaming stuff, Shellshock Network, along which ha also has podcasts. You can find them on Twitter, uh, at ShellshockNet, on Twitch as well, which actually, right as Mike texted me, I was about to uh, set up for a, a Twitch stream, and then he texted me, go, eh, I guess I'll do the show. <laughs> Until the stream after. Um, Here's the problem. People have plans. <laughs> I don't plan ahead. I really don't. It worked. Continue. So, and uh, the most important, though, is uh, Premier Pro Wrestling. You can find them on Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter at Premier Planet, Instagram at Premier Pro Wrestling, YouTube. Uh, our YouTube channel has grown to 45K. Uh, wow. We are growing really, really fast. Uh, really fast so jump on so you can be like yeah i was yeah i'm an og that's our deal um and uh we have streaming services uh premierprowrestling.pivotshare.com and then patreon.com slash premier pro wrestling and then finally this saturday night 
Premier Pro Wrestling uh, presents Reckoning, which uh, I will be a part of. Uh, huge uh, world title rematch between Semsei and Jose Acosta. Tag title rematch between Charlie Hustle and Ventura and uh, Pancho and uh, Anestra. And then, of course, there's my dumbass in a, <laughs> in a huge uh, eight, eight way. It's going to be great. He is completely yeah. kayfabing the shit out of it. He wins the whole fucking thing. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's going to be a... <laughs> And then he's going to run in in the main event, and he's going to cash in and become the world champion. I'm, te- I- I'm just saying... If I was booking it, that's what I would do. My quarter's in a sock. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Guys, we have had fun. We hope you have fun, have had fun as well. I can't even talk and I'm not even drinking. We'd like to thank our special guest, obviously. Give it a try. Chad from the Two Man Power (laughs) Trip. Please go ahead and follow him on social media. Uh, Eyes up here with Francine and obviously the Triple Threat Podcast with Shane Douglas. You can find those everywhere podcasts are made available. We'd like to thank our wrestler this week who came on, Moondog Murray, for spending some time with us. We're going to plug his stuff as well. Please follow him. Christopher Butt, the man, the acrylic master, and uh, he's made some fantastic things. And as always, the czar of media, Anton Hyde. For Jerry, Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey, we love you. We're thinking about you. You're always in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our prayers. And I'm Mike Freeland, and you know what? We'll catch you next week on Total Material.